another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast about to come your way, boys and girls. We're that excited about Fall Brawl 1996, which we did in our last episode to watch along with the mighty Beth Blade. We have jumped straight into Nitro a couple of days after uh, because we're just like raging with glory at the way that WCW are doing things right now. We're so excited. Uh, the Cruiserweights are on fire. The NWO angle is getting hotter and hotter as time goes by. And yeah, even we're NWO now, Brian. NWO for life. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've uh, already worn my NWO t-shirt like five times in the last week since getting it. Too oh, sweet. last two weeks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they've, really, they've really done a number on me. <laughs> not, not in the way they've done a number on the WCW roster. Not like that. They've just, uh, they've, they've really made me uh, a massive fan of them. Yes, I can I, I do have to ask though. We, we obviously the folks out there that did listen to the previous podcast, um, the watch along for Four Brawl nineteen ninety six, including the War Games match. Um, we didn't ask where you actually got your shirt from. Uh, I had to pay fucking WWE for it, didn't I? Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. No, no. So there's because yeah. I think I kind of thought that you did, but. This is this is one of those instances that I'm actually not that bad about it because like normally I'm like do not give the WWE any money whatsoever. But when Scott Hall was on Eric Bischoff's podcast a few weeks ago, he was saying, "Man, we still make like five six figures out of you know WWE giving us royalties from the NWO." So I'm okay with it, dude. That money's probably on its winging its way to Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. I'm I'm cool with it, man. I'm cool with yeah. it. Good job because I ride up the um, the Wolfpack version of the shirt as well, and like I might get that down. Uh, I might get that later on in down the road sometime. You know when when they come around, let's like, see if they live up to the hype. Spoiler alert, guys! <laughs> now everybody oh. knows. Everybody knows. It's not like it's a a big guarded secret, is it? Really? Um, there there is just one other thing I want to mention to you while I was doing my notes earlier on. Uh, while the network was buffering, which you and I both had issues with today. Uh, I decided to go through Dave Meltzer's spamathon, if you like, or whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. Um, I did note some things down, but I'm going to mention one thing right now while we're talking about the NWO because this is fucking hilarious, and I hope it's true. Uh, a woman was reported to have called up Turner Broadcasting HQ to complain that her five-year-old boy had spray-painted his one-year-old brother with NWO on his back. <laughs> <laughs> Right, please be true, and please, for the love of God, I hope the one-year-old is okay, and the five-year-old's okay after getting a slap from his mother. Um, but, dude, this is great. <laughs> it is. I call that a positive influence. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, they could be doing a lot worse, couldn't they? If they were watching other TV programmes, they'd be experimenting with heroin or, you know, just, I don't know, all kinds of things. But, yeah, they're just spray-painting each other with the video. Mean- I like it, I like it. I mean, from from a standpoint where it's a wrestling show where there's a lot of dangerous moves, uh, especially in Super Kawa matches. More on that later. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, if you're watching the WCW product, I don't think spray painting your brother, your little brother, is the worst thing you can do. As long as it's safe and it's on the back. Yeah. I'm not, I am not <laughs> advocating for it in, in any way, shape or form. But I'm just saying, like, that should be the least of your troubles. Yes. There's a lot of controversial shits on WCW TV right now. Yeah, there is. Um, although, to be fair, like a lot of the matches seem to be... Well, they were flying by, but having a look at the times for this one today, it looks like they've be, all been given more or less a pretty decent amount of time. Uh, and, folks, we have got a couple of actual 
natural blinders for you. I'm calling them natural blinders because they're not pay-per-view quality, but they're not far off either. No. So, without further ado, <clears throat> let's jump in and let's fucking get straight to it because, once again, Brian is going to be taking over straight away. I'm just going to give you the uh, the lowdown on the uh, venue and the attendance and then Brian's going to, he's going to take over because, well, this is, like, one of the biggest um, advocates for doing this podcast. This is this is the whole reason why we're here, this match. And these are two of my favourite athletes from this era. Um, but this is natural number 53 on the 16th of September 1996 from the Asheville Civic Centre in Asheville, North Carolina. We're just round the corner from where four brawl all took place. Capacity of 5,000 people attending this one with the commentary of Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco joined later on. Sorry, took over later on by Bobby the Brain Heenan and Eric Bischoff. Mike Tenet also on this one for the odd commentary duty and also taking over from the recently departed Mean Gene Okerlund, who was on $420,000 a year and wanted a raise, to which Eric Bischoff flipped him the bird. So, yeah, uh, Mean Gene's gone. Wow. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Will he be back? Well, I think I think we all know that he probably will be, don't we? The, the, yeah. The, the, the rumblings from Meltzer's side of things are that Vince is not interested in bringing Mean Gene back in, uh, and Vince isn't too keen on the old one nine hundred numbers either, which they have been using, but they're just not. That he's not that keen on it. I think it's somebody else's idea, and they're just sort of running with it. And Vince is like, yeah, whatever, just don't mention it to me. Um, but yeah, Gene wants a raise, and Eric isn't willing to give it to him. And to be honest, on nearly half a million for that job. Dude, I'd do that for forty grand. Yeah, they were stretching. They were stretching him to the nth degree, weren't they? Because they were like, it got to a point where after every match, he was interviewing somebody, and it were a little bit too much mean gene. Yeah, I mean they were milking the cow like tenfold there, weren't they? That's a horrible visual, but you know what I mean. Milking so... the cow. The cow's fucking dry. The milk at this point. <laughs> it's just dust. It's milk powder. Yeah. See, I, see I, I mean, I thought this with, I, I thought this with, like, prime examples, Cristiano Ronaldo when he was at Juventus. You know, it's impossible to drop a player like that when he, when he's costing you fifty million euros a year. He, he, the, the the wage justifies that he plays every single fucking game because you need to squeeze every single fucking second out of that guy. Doesn't matter if he's not on game or not. At the end of the day, he's spent, he's costing you that much money. You just got to fucking use it and use it and use it until it breaks, don't you? Really? And that's what they've done with Mean, jo- mean Gene Auckland. Uh, but Mean Gene Auckland has broke, and he's gone. So Mike Tenet is filling in. Um, we do start off with highlights from Fall Brawls, War Games in particular, uh, with a, a partial apology from Tony Schiavone towards Sting for not believing in him, uh, to which Larry Zabisco does turn around and says, well, Sting, if you're going to be a bit soft about it, why don't you just go and work with Mother Teresa? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get a job with Mother Teresa. Yeah, I mean, Larry fucking pulled no punches with that, did he? No, he didn't. I just have a bit of an issue with that because Mother Teresa isn't a company. Mother Teresa used to do all that for free. So getting a job with Mother Teresa, I mean, that's not going to fucking pay the bills, is it? Let's be honest. Nah. Poor Sting. The irony being as well that he went to fucking Christianity again. He went and got born again. So technically, he did get a job with Mother Teresa. Yeah, somewhat, yeah. 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 Um, I, I, I do have to uh, bring up the jubilant nature of the commentary as soon as they come on. It's like after after the events of the night before, the last thing you want is welcome to WCW Nitro. I am Larry. You know, it's like no, don't do that. It's a bit, it's a bit much, isn't it? Yeah, you need something a little bit somber, don't you? It's like yeah, folks. I know you've got to hype up the fans, but 
you know, you've just had the worst night in WCW history. You want to be <laughs> acting as if it was the worst night because they do that and then they go into the zombie tones and yeah. it just doesn't work. It's a little bit odd. I also found it funny that uh, Tony did not know what to call the fake sting <laughs> because he calls him imposter sting like two or three times and then after that it's repeatedly bonus, uh, bogus sting, bogus sting, bogus sting. Like, I think by this point they really could have established NWO sting as a name. Yeah, I would have thought they would have done that last yeah. night sort of thing when they realised that there was two ones. NWO Sting would have made sense, wouldn't it? But this yeah. is, again, this is it's, they're sort of just doing this as the bicycle goes down the road. Yeah, aren't yeah. They? It's just like, oh shit, what are we going to call him? Because it's becoming a bit of a problem when we watch it back on TV. Um, but yeah, they, you'd think that they would have uh, given him a name and stuck to it as well because giving him three separate names, Bogus Sting, Fake Sting, NWO Sting, just really convolutes them out, doesn't it? Yeah, four, four fucking hell, yeah. Um, yeah, I get I you. Fa- I just found it I'm a little bit weird. Yeah, yeah. So, if there's nothing else there, um, this is it. WCW World Cruiserweight title match for you to just... Oh, yes. Yeah, you can uh, you can sit back and relax. Oh, I- dude. I mean, I'm probably just going to replay it in my head and sitting back is not something I'm going to be doing here. I, 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 was, I, I, not, I was on the edge of my seat and I got a broken foot. Yeah, I was on the edge of my seat. I was supposed to be taking it easy. This match did not make me take it easy. I fucking loved it. I thought it was really, 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 really good. Well, I was going to say one thing, but two things. Uh, whilst I'm recapping this match, hands on the table, Mark. <laughs> okay. And uh, secondly, I must apologise if a few coughs and a few sniffles get in. I have come down with a cold seemingly like over the last couple of hours. <laughs> I've been oh. sneezing and coughing and my nose is a little bit grotty. So apologies for that. Uh, it's just a sudden change in weather that we've been having again recently. Every time this happens, I end up with the sniffles. So yeah, I will try and use the, the cough button on my mic as much as possible. But obviously when I'm recapping, it's going to be a little bit harder just to keep raising my hand, pressing the button, pausing, then carrying on. It will be noticeable and it's a big edit job. So if there's a cough, just ignore it. Well, I hope it is just the sniffles do because my dad tested positive today. Oh, lovely! Fucking um, no. <laughs> I've, I've got, I've got the, uh, I've got some tests downstairs. So before I go to bed tonight, I'll, I'll test myself yeah. just in case, just in case. Okay, well, no better, uh, no better place than just to crack right into this one, is there? Oh, yes. So it's cruiserweight championship on the line. Hoovy Two Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio Junior. I've noticed they actually have started calling him Junior now. I'm, I've never noticed that before. It's just usually been Rey Mysterio, from what I can remember. Uh, that might just have been me though. So. But anyway, yeah, he's definitely a junior. He's a champion, of course. He, re- he retained the title last night at Fall Brawl. Uh, the first thing I noticed is that the, pro- the, the production has slightly improved because, oh boy, we can actually hear Dave Penzer. We can actually hear him uh, introduce the two wrestlers. Fortunately, this doesn't last because we don't fucking hear anything from him again tonight. No. <laughs> coming, to, coming to go back to their old habits of just talking over him, which I don't know if I've ever mentioned on the podcast before, but I fucking hate it. Mm. It's like, I just think it's... Uh, wrestling 101 you let the announcer announce the wrestlers yeah and then you talk like AEW don't have a problem with this WWE obviously never had a problem with this TNA they used to do the WWE uh, WCW thing now and then but generally they let Pensley talk you know just let him talk please (laughs) we kick things off with some submission chain wrestling Uh, a little bit different but I like it Ray manages to apply a torture rack-like manoeuvre on Hoover across his back. I don't really know the name for that, to be honest with you. Uh, do you have a name for that? I don't, but it was no. uh, pretty nifty, pretty innovative. Yeah, I liked it. Mm. But Hoover escapes into a DDT. 
Tony says Ted DiBiase has changed his demands and now they want their own TV show. I mean, that... I had to rewind and listen to that back because it was just so... It was such a quick little snippet that if you were just concentrating on the match completely, you would have missed that. So yeah. that is a big fucking deal and it woke him up again. Yeah. There is a snappy... The snappiest, snappiest of four-way slams from Huvi on Ray for a two-count. I mean, I really, really love that four-way slam. Uh, Ray works the left leg of Hoover with a hold and dropping his knees onto the shim. Hoover and Ro- uh, sorry, I'll repeat that. Hoover and Ray run the ropes and Hoover gets a rough back elbow. Ray flurries back with a high spinning wheel kick. Exchanges of chops now, and as I said, this hasn't been a typical cruiserweight match so far. Tony says it's a miracle neither Ray or Super Carlo broke bones last night, and all I could think of was, no shit, Carlo is not very safe. <laughs> That will come back up tonight. Yes, it will. <laughs> I mean, probably on like four or five occasions, I would say, Carlo is not safe. <laughs> He's definitely not. And I think I've figured out why, but we'll get to it. <laughs> we do get into some cruiserweight style now, as Ray leaps over Hoover and drops to his back as Hoover runs ropes. Hoover flips over and lands on the apron. Absolutely perfect. Mm. Uh, springboard attack from Hoover is countered by a drop kick to the midsection in the mid and I mean that is just fucking beautiful from Ray there yep. absolutely beautiful Ray hits the springboard head as a takedown as we go to break with the crowd uh, which the crowd and commentary pop for good to see the cruisers get their Drew Jolgers by the way because that is something that we don't see often we usually get either the commentary uh, focusing away or the uh, they're cutting away or yeah the, the camera pans away to the crowd or something the, like yeah, that or, yeah. or the fans just aren't interested and everybody's on form here the fans pop in uh, the commentary's calling the moves they are they're popping themselves Larry fucking screams at several points in this which I absolutely love to hear because he doesn't really get to that you know that high level of emotion yeah. you know he usually keeps it quite you know quite on the even keel so yeah it, it, it just it made them feel important and it's about bloody time this doesn't last long unfortunately no but that, that that little that little instance there it's almost it just it was timed so perfectly it was almost as if the wrestlers knew that WCW were going to a break it just yeah. it was so fluid and so perfect I, I, I did I had marked out for it as well we saying yeah. the comms did and, and the fans did I did as well I thought it was sweet yeah. as a nut absolutely rebound drop kick by Hoover is great work. oh shit I've gone too far ahead cut that out uh, we are back and Hoover's on top and gets a two count. Rebound drop kick by Hoover is great looking. That's like, that's all I put. It's great looking. <laughs> it, that is very uh, like the old SmackDown games. Mm. Incredible move is great. Like <laughs> Hoover heads over to the top rope and hits a springboard wheel kick, forcing Ray to take a powder, and then a baseball side to Ray above the bottom rope, which was different yeah. and effective. I had to change paper though. Hoover follows up with a pitch-perfect Asai Moonsault. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. The only caveat is that he, he caught Ray's head with his knee, but I think that was more Ray's positioning than anything. Yeah. I think it was unavoidable. Ray did actually crash to the concrete as well. It didn't look really nice, but again, I just think his position, position, the look positioning goes off. Hoover rolls in Ray and hits a springboard 450. That gets more of the map for two. Again, I think, roll, I think Ray rolled one too many times, but it was still awesome. Tony is defending the high-flying style and the honour of the cruisers throughout to Larry's dismay. I mean, at this point, I find it funny that Larry was popping hard earlier on and now he's saying, like, they're dangerous, they shouldn't be doing this, he shouldn't really stay on their feet. <laughs> just, you know, it's just great face heel back and forth between the two commentators here. I absolutely love it. Hoover hits a head scissor come Frankensteiner off the top rope for two and we cut away to fans celebrating NWO's victory last night. Going back to what I said. 
It doesn't last long, does it? Fucking cutting away during the Cruiserweight match. Fucking typical. Yeah. Cut back to Hoover going for a super power bomb, and this is where we get the finish because as he leaps off, Ray reverses it into a fucking Frankensteiner. Yes. Holy fucking hell. <laughs> did you fall out your seat? Because oh, I fucking did. Went you far did. off. Yeah, I went yeah, far you... off. I, I've got to be honest, my bowel was almost emptied because I thought, oh, this is the end of Ray Mysterio as we know him. Um, <laughs> for, him to, for him to reverse it, oh, this was just fucking gift worthy. It was so good, so clean. Yeah, I, it was. It was that fucking good. I took a video of it and put it on Twitter, which I don't really do. And I'm just like, holy fucking shit. This is amazing. Yeah. Like, I, I, it, I've never seen anything like that before. I mean, not off the top of my head anyway. It was just, I think it was more of the height than anything. Yeah. Because it was just as he leaped off and the Frankenstein, it was just fucking perfect. It looked really gnarly. But thankfully, both were really safe. Great finish. Ray Mysterio wins a great match with, I've got to say, very few noticeable fuck-ups, especially from Hoventood. Yeah. Because quite lately, he's, he's had a few, fair few gnarly botches. He didn't really have a botch in this match. I know some will argue the Asai Moonsault, but I think that was rare. Same yeah. with the 450 springboard. I think that was rare as well. I don't yeah. think Hoover could have done any more. Go out your way to watch this match. Real good stuff. Really, really good yeah. stuff. And I've got to add as well, you're saying, obviously, you are right. Hoover's, he, he's been clunky. Uh, but I think that's more down to the opponents that he's been given as well. Um his, his styles aren't matching up with uh, obviously he faced off against Alex Wright didn't he so that's a bit of a mismatch because Alex is a big lad uh, a tall lad and he's not he's not thick but he's uh, quite tall and it could be difficult to, to sort of wrestle with somebody like that and then Conan um, again it's weird because I would expect Hoovy and Conan to be able to work together very well uh, but it just didn't seem mm. to work well at all once it came down to you know brass tacks on paper it should have but it didn't yeah, um, I do see your point, but it's also been very noticeable things that Hoover's done that he could have avoided. It's like in the last yeah. Nitro, the last match he had on Nitro in particular, he was slipping a hell of a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, like, I can't really pin it on his opponents all the time. No, no. I think, no. Just, I think it's a factor, don't get me wrong, but I think he's just trying to ingratiate himself into uh, less of the Lucha Libre style and mm. more into the quote unquote mixed styles of the cruiserweight division. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and he's going to be facing different opponents of different styles. I mean, Alex Wright is not your typical cruiser. He's more, you know, he, he does cruiserweight styles, and he and he does he does do a lot of high flying maneuvers, and and he's quite quick. But he also does a lot of power moves. Yep. Conan, I won't fucking call him a cruiserweight, no matter what. Like no matter how what way you look at him, I'm, I'm like he's not a fucking cruiserweight. No, you know, I know, I I do believe he ends up in the cruiserweight division at some point, but I just. I think that's more because of his style as a wrestler rather than his size. But yeah, he's not cruiserweight to me. Yeah. I mean, nothing stops the cruiserweights from fighting the heavyweights. Obviously, you know, somewhere no. down the line we see Rey Mysterio versus Kevin Nash. It's it's one of those fucking things sort of thing. You, whether Conan ends up in the cruiserweight division is arguable. Uh, he does end up wrestling cruiserweight wrestlers. So it's, yeah, because obviously there, there will be the handful that break out from the cruiserweight division and challenge for the TV title, the US title, yeah. which is understandable. Yes, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I might be completely wrong. I'm pretty sure I've see, seen something where he's had a cruiserweight match, or it might have just been the X division in uh, TNA, which is a total different breed and all. But I mean, it was just typical cruiserweight wrestlers for the for the most part. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, it was only when Abyss won it that they decided, oh, yeah, anybody of any size can wrestle for this belt. Mm. They never really had a, a set rule for it, so 
I think that I, was, I suppose. Uh, that I was, suppose. Go on. I suppose that's why Colin Willie Pot was part of the division. Like it could just gloss over it a little bit. It might have just been that. Yeah, could have been. That was part of the reason why Bischoff wasn't too keen on it. He just went. There's no. There's no limitation. There's no point to it. Um, but I mean, the point was to me the matches that they put on. You know, some of them were just fucking phenomenal. No pun intended, obviously. But um, in TNA, it's, it's I don't know whatever whatever rules they or lack of rules they put in place, it did work for a lot of the matches. They were just fucking great. Um, yeah, and I mean even to, even nowadays on Impact, it's it's reverted back to the the smaller wrestlers. I think with the exception of Willie Mack, who held the title for a while, and he's quite a heavy set guy. They've really stuck to the the traditional format, hmm. which is, I mean, I think I prefer the traditional format. I don't mind the odd person mixing it up in there, you know, just acknowledging that you can be a bigger wrestler and compete for this belt. But I just prefer it if it was just like the cruiserweight style and, and you know, just a very mix of styles because I think we're sorely lacking it. I mean, obviously, WWE has a cruiserweight division, but it's been an afterthought for ages now. Yeah, like it's it's they, they did try and add some kind of importance to it in NXT when they put it down in NXT permanently. But you know, I I know who holds it, but it's like big fucking deal. It just doesn't seem important. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, with at the end, at the end of the day, it is secondary to every other title on that show, and I'm including the women's title. It's secondary. It is the lowest title on that show. Like it, it's quite sad, really. You know. So we do, we do need that, and I I think AEW could have something of that sort. Of, you know, that ilk. Like not particularly cruiserweight, but like just something for the the lighter stars who probably aren't going to make it up to the top of the card. They're going to be yeah. stuck in mid card purgatory. I think there's a few people that are going to be like that. You may as well just give them something else to fight over, yeah. Because he might not even get many opportunities at the TNT title. Hmm. Yeah, first out, first out. So we're basically saying that the WWE treats the cruiserweight title like the European Championship now. Hmm. That was the Pretty lowest much. of the law, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. No. To be fair, to be fair, there was the like two or three years where the European title had its importance. I would say more like the hardcore title. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Or, I do wonder oh, though, or, or, or the twenty four seven title. Ugh. Oh, fuck that! Yeah, I do wonder about the European Championship. I do wonder, like, because obviously, I think that that we probably hold it in higher regard than the um, the people across the pond do. Of uh, course, uh, for, but, for obvious reasons. But but when you had the likes of X Pac and uh, Jeff Jarrett and uh, Gary Brown competing for it, and Al Snow even. They were putting on barn burners. Yeah, it's not a bad fucking... There was there was a solid feud in 1998 with X-Pac and D.O. Brown trading the title over between each other. And this was before D.O. Brown got into the, the his peak condition. He was still quite heavy set at this time. Yeah. And they had some fucking great matches between each other. I mm. think you also could put Val Venus in there as well. I know he's a bit of a fucking weirdo these days. That's an understatement. Well, yeah, but, but um, back then he could do the job, couldn't he? That's... Yeah, he was a he was a solid wrestler, and yeah. he, I remember saying this to a mate like Val Venus was one of those wrestlers we overlooked, and he goes, "Ah, nah, nah, he's shit," and I'm like, "Really, really? Go back and watch him. He was yeah. a good wrestler, yeah, a yeah. very good wrestler." And then obviously uh, in 2000, you had the likes of Kurt Angle and Benoit and Chris Jericho fighting for the European title, but I think it was you know even Eddie Guerrero as well. Yeah. But I think as, as we entered the latter phases of 2001 when they had 
mass amounts of titles. He had the, he had the US title for fuck's sake. I mean, it would it just wasn't as important. I think they retired it the, the following year. Right. You know, but yeah, it wasn't the lowest of the war for for the most part. I'd say the hardcore title that it that was just an afterthought. The only the only time that was ever really at the forefront of people's um, minds was when the likes of Crash Holly had it. You know, twenty four seven. That's what they're doing the twenty four seven title these yeah, days. Yeah. Twenty four seven rules. You know, because it it was basically the comedy division. And yeah. It fucking worked well back then. It doesn't work back now. Uh, right now. No. They fucking no. again. It's like WCW with Mean Gene. They milked it for all it's worth. Yeah. Retire it. Yeah. Um. I wonder if they'll bring it back for that rumored pay per view that's supposed to be over this way next year. The WWE. It, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Mm, Cardiff, isn't it, apparently? Is it uh, Millennium Stadium? Uh, yeah, they're looking at the Millennium Stadium. Or is it the Vitality Stadium, it's called now, isn't it? I think something that, like that. The Vitalite uh, Stadium. Or the Vitalite. <laughs> mm-hmm, Vitalite. So you've got that fucking song in my head now, twat. Uh, it was... For those that don't know what that is, so people across the pond, it was it was basically uh, an advertisement or a commercial, as you guys call it, for margarine called Vitalite, yeah. and you just had this guy constantly over over the, the this video of people spreading butter on bloody sandwiches, going mmm, Vitalite. That was basically it, yeah, yeah. They were good times. <laughs> the nineties, yeah. But we're all, I, well, we're all about nostalgia here, particularly the fucking nineties. So. Of course, man. Of course, that's we get into the uh, get into the zone when we do this podcast. We just go straight for nostalgia. It doesn't matter if it's British nostalgia, wrestling nostalgia, American nostalgia. It's just all nostalgia to us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, I'd, I'd really, really like to. To I mean, I've already spoke to obviously members of a band who live in fucking Cardiff anyway. So and we're just like, yeah, we're fucking totally going to this, even if it's in the nosebleeds. I don't care. It's got to yeah. be done. It's the and first pay per view WWE have done since when? Fucking the nineties. Yeah, nineteen ninety two. I think it were. True. I mean, they had they had the likes of Insurrection and Rebellion in the small arenas, but they weren't really important pay per views. Mm. They were they were more just specials. Yeah. Nothing ever. Nothing major ever happened at those events. Yeah. Uh, if, if you had a title guaranteed, you would defend it. You would actually return it. Yeah. Uh, the, mo- the, the only thing of importance that I can recall, and I just think it's because it's funny, is uh, after Bulldog had thrown a, a bin at Stephanie's head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did it back. He didn't do it on purpose. He wanted his title shot, you know, and uh, later on that night, he'd interfered in a match with The Rock in a cage match, and Vince McMahon on air just went, fuck you! <laughs> and it was horrible. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's been edited out on the network, but if you can, of course if you can see it, if you can find it, it is it's fucking hilarious. Just hearing Vince where it's always funny. I hate the guy, but it's always funny hearing him say the F word. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's just so rare. It's like finding a fucking golden ticket. Like it's <laughs> it's rare as fuck, you know, just hearing go, Fuck you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah. But yeah um, we do ha- we do have some nostalgia for the Millennium Stadium or the Vitalite Stadium or the Vitality Stadium, whatever it's fucking called. <laughs> Obviously Robbie's winning the uh League Cup in two thousand and two. Yep. Yeah, we won it there. That was the but one. But yeah, there's been a couple of other venues that have been mooted. Uh, Old Trafford is one of them as well. But the word is, is that it probably be the Millennium Stadium because it has a closed roof and our weather is unpredictable. Yeah. So, yeah. It was Talksport, weren't it? I think that that had um, released that 
sort of mm. rumour that were in advance talks and the WWE officials were quite impressed with the facilities down there in Cardiff. Yeah, and um, Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre was meeting representatives over over right. our shores as well yeah. uh, to to like get formal discussions under the way. Yeah, probably shouldn't have put this on the podcast actually because it's limiting our chance of getting tickets. So, um, everybody, oh. don't buy tickets until me and Brian have got ours, <laughs> all right? Thank you very much. Or, unless, if you get through, buy two extra ones and we'll come with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll I'm down for that. As much we'll as I hate WWE. We won't, and, we won't you know, pay you back. We'll just give you a beer. <laughs> like, yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, why not? 80 quid yeah. ticket? Yeah, we'll get you a beer. Be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> PayPal travel as well and our accommodation and we'll get you two beers. <laughs> yeah, we'll take you on a tour of the city. I know a little bit of the city now, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go to a couple of funky places. <laughs> take, take you on a tour of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is where Matt Janssen scored for Rovers in 2002. Yeah, and you see that end? That's where Adam Cole scored the winner. Yeah. Adam oh, Cole. And, <laughs> uh, oh, fucking hell. Adam, Adam, Andy, fucking twat. Adam I'm in, Cole. I'm in my wrestling bubble. <laughs> Brilliant. Remember, remember when uh, Andy Cole won the Premier League and he just went, um, he just did the fun point to his head and went boom. Ah, <laughs> oh, fucking hell! Deary me, Deary what a Freudian me. slip. Yeah, um, Rey Mysterio defeats Juventus Guerrero six minutes and fifty-four seconds in a match that Dave Meltzer gave three and three quarter stars. Go see it. That's basically yeah, it. Good match. <laughs> yes, it's the sixteenth of September, nineteen ninety-six. Score. In ring, WWE Network, go and find this. Watch that match. It's seven minutes. It's no time at all. You'll fucking love it. I promise. Um, straight after this, we're going to see uh, Mike Tenay with Chris Benoit and Steve Mongo McMichael backstage. McMichael says he intends to fulfill his promise from a couple of weeks ago to go after Sting in particular for letting the horseman down. And Benoit more or less just fucks it up again. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't detail what he said, but he he cocked it up again. Uh, yeah, and, we uh, keep giving Deborah, this guy the microphone. <laughs> yeah, and Deborah's there too, by the way, and she she finishes a sentence for Mongo. Yeah, and I didn't, I, I just didn't take notice of it because she's so fucking wooden. <laughs> so wooden. She said she she said, "Oh, my husband was in the NFL for fifteen years, and oh, really? Made what was it?" Um, Made mincemeat out of bullies like you. Well, Sting's not the bully here, you fucking moron. Well, they're the heels, so they can't admit that they're in the wrong, can they? That's true, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, also, I don't think it's fair what, what uh, Mongo's saying here as well, because at the end of the day, they chose to not just Sting. Yeah, they brought it on themselves, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know. So, you know, I know you got to be heel and you can't take the blame, but fuck you, Mongo. <laughs> yeah, fair shout. The next up, this is uh, the moment that everybody's been waiting for, uh, and it's a detailed uh, video package with an interview behind it of the story of Glacier. Yes, we know he's been on vignettes and promos throughout WCW's entire history since 1989. Um, and now we get to know who his sensei is, what he's trained in, the moves that he can do, the moves he can't do, what his kit is all about. Yeah, They detail absolutely everything about this dude. And it's- then... Yeah. If he, oh my god, I fucking hated this so much, man. I can't <laughs> tell you how much I fucking met, hated this because it went on for far too long. Yeah, this should have had. And, a, this should have had a. So we have obviously I have time things at the end of the fucking matches. I should have put a time thing at the end of this. It was it was easily like four minutes, easily. Yes, and we don't we don't see him. We just see him. It, it, it's it's just footage of him doing the same shit on loop. Yeah. First and foremost, I noticed that it was just like the same kick, and it's like. You don't actually see him talking. 
So he's talking, there's music playing, the fucking sub-Mortal Kombat theme that they have. So it's, And because it was so long, you actually heard little bits that were like, yeah, that's definitely a Mortal Kombat rip-off. If you weren't fucking certain before, now you are. <laughs> uh, it actually, the music stops very briefly yeah. and then restarts. Yeah. But the worst thing about it is that you don't see Glacier talking, you just hear him talking, and he sounds so fucking bored. Yeah. Uh, I went to Kyoto and I met my sensei who taught me different types of martial arts. Uh, karate, uh, something else, can't remember. <laughs> uh, taekwondo. Uh, fucking drink a coffee and show some excitement, Glacier. You're making your debut! <laughs> God. Very Sven Joran Eriksson post game in it. Well, uh, that's oh Arsene Wenger. Well, uh, <laughs> it was a very good game. Uh, he won seven 0 Arsene. How do you feel? I uh, feel very good. Uh, we uh, five goals for Emmanuel Petit. Uh, was good performance from the boys. Uh, no, not for me. Um, no. And the, way, the the other bad thing about this is that they're not going to actually put Glacier up next. No, no, no. We're going to have a form of a Glacier, and it's Ice Train, versus Diamond Dallas Page. Ice Train comes out with Teddy Long, player. Uh, and initially, we see a show of brute strength by Ice Train in the first couple of tie-ups. There's a big clothesline after a headlock, sending DDP out of the ring. DDP manages to get the advantage after being back on the outside. What? Being back on the outside, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was sent out again. That's what I mean. Oh, and, and, and at this point, and I looked in the crowd, and the cosplaying fans are back. They are back, yeah. I saw two of them. It's uh, Scott Hall and Ric Flair. I saw four. Oh, did you? Yeah, there was a macho man there as well, Excellent. and there was a, a Hollywood Hulk organ. Cool. So yeah. they've made the trip from full brawl to nitro. They're, they're just loving wrestling right now. Uh, fair fucks to them. I'd like to find friends that I could do that with. I think it'd just be me and you, to be honest. Uh, uh, and Gary. Oh yeah, Gary. Yeah, probably would. Yeah, yeah. That's a first shot. First and maybe shot. Corey. Hmm. That's if he isn't asleep at seven p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing as he fucking <laughs> shout out to Corey. Uh, he's he's the guy over there at Promotion Wars who have just actually just celebrated the twenty-first birthday. So go and download the anniversary edition of Promotion Wars. Massive updates. It looks fucking great. Uh, your boys are in there. Marvellous Mark Ashworth and the the dangerous one, Brian Bradshaw. Uh, we're both in there. The Nitrogen podcast logo's in there. Yeah, they've done a fucking fantastic job. However, I did find that out. Uh, well, I found it out when I woke up this morning, right? But I woke up at a decent time because I put my phone in Do Not Disturb. However, these match, these these messages between Corey and Brian were at like half past three this morning. Uh, <laughs> if that had woke me up, I would not have been happy. <laughs> let's put it that way <laughs> the only people who are allowed to wake me up at that time in the morning are if there's a fucking emergency uh, and we need a tr- transparent version of your logo for the promotion wars game I'm sorry Corey but that's not an emergency <laughs> <laughs> and he was and he apologised to me like I were awake dude I'd, I'd been out on the fucking lash mm. again with my mum and, uh, and our family friend yes so I, I was awake and he apologised to me, and I'm like, oh, if I'm in work, I'm usually up at this time anyway, but I, I think Mike might be a little bit upset. <laughs> I didn't say those words, but I was just thinking that to myself. Like, if Mike gets woken up by this, he's probably going to be a bit pissed off. Yeah. For the story, obviously in the message, I'm not going to tell you everything that was in the messages, but it's not like there's any sordid secrets in there or anything like that, but the message basically said it harkens back to a day where, so I've known Corey for a long time. He used to phone me up when he was uh, sort of doing the wrestling on a more full-time basis, uh, oh, I've thought I've, I've thought about this uh, this finish and the way that we're going to do it and blah blah blah. Um, 
and yeah, he'd phone me up and he'd say, does that make sense? And blah, blah, blah. And we'd have a good conversation about it. And yeah, that was like three, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, I think that's what made me think, ah, do not disturb. That's a good idea to have on a phone. And I set it up every night now. Uh, thanks, Corey. Cheers, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, where were I? What were we doing? What were we talking about? I can't remember. The cosplaying fans. Cosplaying fans, of course. Well, we've got, we've got our four horsemen there now. So, yeah. When we go... To the WWE event in Cardiff, I think it looks like we're uh, we're going dressed as wrestlers. Fuck everybody else in that fucking stadium. That's the other thing. Like, it depresses me a little bit that wrestling fans don't make that kind of effort anymore. I know yeah, that the signs have gone, so that's like how, in AEW you do see some of them. I think you see some in Impact as well. WWE doesn't really do them anymore. Um, but there's not many people who just get like all kitted out and fucking proper go for it at wrestling events anymore. No, it's it, it's quite rare. Yeah, it's it's a shame. It's a shame. And we're not including people like Frank the Cunt. Oh, sorry, Frank the Clown. Uh, no, I I did it right the first time. Frank the Cunt. I don't know. No, just is. yeah, don't. Uh, <laughs> don't even look him up. He's he's such a. He's, put it this way, he was one of those WWE super fans, and he, he's dating Noelle Foley, uh, who I also do not like. Uh, she's just so fucking. She's annoying. She's an attention seeker. You know that kind of person that will just say boobies just for the sake of it on Twitter. She's like, like so immature, but yeah, she's a uh, Mick Foley's daughter, and yeah, they're dating. And the uh, WWE did a, a list like four or five years ago of their top ten super fans, and he wasn't on it, even though he was paying to go to all their events. And he had a fucking meltdown on Twitter about it. And I mean, a proper big meltdown. And he ended it with. Well, at least I've got Noel. Like, you, you've not just nearly fucking died, mate. You haven't lost all your fucking money on the bloody on the slot machines in Las Vegas. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you've just been left off a fucking list. Yeah. The fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah, can't stand him. It, I mean, it, it, it is known to be a prick as well. I mean, for somebody to be going round to. Um... For somebody to be going round to the fucking WWE events on a constant basis, like going to as many as they fucking can, there has to be something wrong with you anyway. You know what I mean? There's better things to be spending your money on. Unless you're a fucking millionaire, in which case, well, fair fucks, well played. You can fucking yeah, do whatever you want. He like. probably is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, what's, what's his name? Frank? Sorry, Frank. Yeah, Frank the Clown, but feel, I call him Frank the Clown because he is. Feel bad for you, dude. Not. Um. So Ice Train, he's a cool dude. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? Him and Glacier should uh, they should form a tag team, shouldn't they? Why can I see this happening? Like the one, the wannabe cool dudes. Yeah, I can I can see this happening. I can see yeah, it they're, coming. They're, they're not quite cool dudes. They're yeah. just cool in name. Hmm. That that's it. Oh, by the way, going back to that Glacier, I don't really want to go back to that Glacier thing yet. But <laughs> not once, not once does he mention how he became an Ice Man. Not once yeah. did he. Did he touch an ice cube and he got superpowers? Who fucking knows? He doesn't mention any of this. No, no. So I don't understand his gimmick then. Is he an ice man or is he pretending to be an ice man? He's a nice man. Boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> no, who knows? Like, yeah, the, the the, and he's got a blue eye as well. Like, how did he get the blue eye? Like, uh, my sensei, he kicked something on the floor and it landed in my eye. It was the. Uh, the Alice Cooper Nita Strauss thing all over again. I don't was, know. Just give it a little bit of backstory. Make it at least relatable. But then he'd do it in a really boring way. Just be like, I, uh... I was, uh, I was chipping the ice out of my freezer because <laughs> it was a little bit frozen. A little, <laughs> bit, a little bit got in my eye. 
and that and is how I became Glacier. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I went to Eric Bischoff, who says, "Well, you can either be a pirate or an ice man." So I thought, "Well, ice freezer, I, yeah, ice man. That makes sense. Yeah." Kayfabe yeah. <laughs> no, no, once I, again I, on the Nitrogen podcast. Brian's a just, a just a creative. A pirate won't be in the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, I know that's where he's going as well, by the way, guys. Spoiler alert, but yeah, a pirate won't be in Dungeon of Doom. I didn't actually know that. Yeah, a gangster. Yeah, sure. Why not? Pirate. <laughs> no. Not that, don't make sense, mate. Oh, dear. Um, there's, there's a parody Twitter. Boring Glacier is boring. <laughs> oh, man. So DDP does go on back on the outside. Uh, it does manage to get the advantage. Yeah, there's a match going on, by the way, guys. There is, yeah. I'm trying to fucking get through this. <laughs> um, <laughs> As he's coming back up onto the apron, he drops Ice Train's throat on the top rope, uh, stomping Train when he returns back into the ring as well. Uh, swinging... stomping, stomping Train. You're going to hear it, right? So Stomping Train, just that quote. Stomping, stomping train, train yeah. rolling down the line. You could make a drinking Big. game today. Makes me icy. Yeah, you could do. Yeah, yeah. No, you're gonna hear stomp from me quite a lot. I've it's, I've overused this word in my notes. I already know that. I already know it. <laughs> uh, where am I? I've lost myself again. <laughs> we've, com- we've completely gone off the tracks. We have. Yeah, momentum has completely shifted. <laughs> Um, Pun intended, by the way. Yeah, swinging netbreaker. There we are. Swinging netbreaker only gets barely a two count with Train showing power to kick out. Um, a discus clothesline sends Train down again, and DDP attempts a cutter, but Train counters with a push off and a belly to belly as DDP returns. DDP up first again, tries the boots, and Train absorbs them and throws on a bear hug into a spine buster and a big power slam off the ropes for a two count. Oh, uh, that power slam wasn't bad. Mwah, wasn't it bad. was. No, no, it was a good one, weren't it? Guy's it got helped. power. Yeah, and DDP's not a small guy. He's quite tall. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he's like, what, six fucking two, something like that, isn't he? Yeah. You know, and he's probably wearing platforms here, so he's like, that makes him about six four. But, yeah, he's, he is a tall guy. Yeah. And he's not easy to pick up, even for somebody a bit of eye strain size. You know, yeah, and be he just, he picks him up like a fucking feather. <laughs> Did a fucking good job in this, did eye strain, to be fair. Dude, I, I, I rate him, but I just think he's fucking saddled with a shit gimmick and just casual racism in WCW as well. Yeah. And just sort of like, he doesn't look like he's going anywhere, which he's is so a fucking vanilla. damn shame. That's the thing, yeah. he's so vanilla, you know. Vanilla, vanilla. ice. Yeah, vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> if I knew what he sounded like, I'd actually do like Ice Ice Baby, but I don't. <laughs> Yeah, that's the other thing that's transitioned back to UK adverts. Oh, we have his rice, rice baby, don't we? For like Molly Rice now. Oh fucking hell! So yeah. I can't even. And I think I I think that the the I, I don't it well. It's not somebody imitating Vanilla Rice, is it? It's it's um, a more soulful, maybe bluesy singer that goes rice, rice baby, and that's all I remember. Uh, yeah, what a shame. So Vanilla Rice Train, <laughs> that's what his name is from now on. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Right, the big power slam off the ropes, very good, two count. Uh, a splash off the ropes, two count. Um, <laughs> Teddy Long randomly gets on the apron. which <laughs> Fucking flying for it, literally like, yeah, this happened, that happened, this happened. <laughs> Continue. We uh, we cut to the back and the NWO fans are taping off the WCW merch stand with human beings. Um, 
We hear the bell sound as DDP is your winner. Yep, that's right, folks. We missed the finish entirely because WCW cut away to the fucking backstage area. Uh, thankfully, the replay is here to tell us exactly what happened because this was actually not the worst finish in the world. It was a little bit... It was very creative. That's, that's what I'll give it. Um, so when Teddy got on the apron the first time, he missed right, his cue. I'm fucking, I'm fucking pissed at you right now because we've got complete different opinions on this one. That's what Go we on. need. That's what we Go need. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Teddy missed his cue on the first one. He had to get back up on the fucking apron, which probably makes the cutaway look just as well. Um, Teddy's got the the white towel around his neck. This white towel, he needs to stop coming out with this fucking thing because it's, because it's just causing problems. Um, train wax on his full Nelson finisher, which I really, really need to fucking get the name of uh, <laughs> instead of calling it a full Nelson. A DDP grabs the towel from around the neck of Teddy Long, tossing it into the referee uh, into the ring out of the sight of the referee, who was Nick Nick Patrick. Um, Nick Patrick subsequently sees the towel and awards the win to DDP because obviously Teddy Long is the one with the towel so he's going to throw it in for Ice Train um, yeah it, 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 makes, it makes Nick Patrick look fucking thick though but because, he is thick so I'm alright with it well, I suppose but <laughs> the guy that forfeited was the guy that was applying the fucking submission not in the submission move yeah it's like, it makes no sense why anybody would throw in a towel at that point. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, Ferber's fucking Nick Patrick's fucking stupid bloody nature and all that, but it's like, he has no allegiances to either of these men, mm-hmm. and he's just being done for the sake of being fucking thick. That's literally it. It's, oh, I fucking hated this finish. I absolutely <laughs> hated it. I just said, fire whoever came up with that. <laughs> it, it's, it's worse... It's worse than when fucking Mick Foley applied the mandible claw himself to because he was in an ankle lock and made himself pass out. Yeah, that happened, by the yeah, way. Yeah. I, I didn't know that happened, to be fair. Yeah, that happened. Like, that's also stupid because, first and foremost, you can't apply a nerve hold to yourself like that. And secondly, you know, just why? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the Mick Foley one, I, I, would, I would be a bit perplexed about. But this one... Yeah. You are right. You're right in what you're saying because obviously anybody with half a fucking brain cell is going to think, well, why would somebody quit when they've got the upper hand? They've actually got the finisher on DDP. Um, reasons why Nick Patrick is trying to spoil things that are happening in WCW. Even you know, all right, yeah, the NWO isn't here, but um, he's he's fucking things up for WCW in terms of like this match. And again, it's 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 showing that his allegiances aren't with WCW. If yeah, that makes sense. But it just um, makes him look thick rather than like he's just doing this on purpose. Yes. Because at the end of the day, it, it's all right if he instigates the incident. He wasn't instigating here, you know. He was just in the right place at the right time. That's yeah. literally it. Yeah. So it, 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 this isn't, to me, it's got nothing to do with his allegiance. It's just Nick Patrick being a fucking shite referee. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, Nothing's that's changed. That's it. That is literally it. <laughs> Uh, four minutes of forty-one seconds given to this. Uh, no, not 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 a bad match. I wouldn't have no, thought it weren't, really. It, it weren't awful. We mm. uh, we might not have actually seen like we were into it, you know. But what we saw, there were, there were a few good moves. Yeah, it's obvious to see that um, Ice Train's got no direction, but obviously DDP does have some direction, and that he's he's still um, getting the shove, if you yeah, like. He, he's he's on the ups where Ice Train for a train has no direction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe it can work for Northern Rail. 
Oh, shots fired. <laughs> Northern Mail was fucking awful. <laughs> Any listeners to uh, uh, that work for Northern Rail? Just... Hi, you're fucking awful. I was going to say just, just, just make sure that you're, uh, you're not working the day that we got onto Liverpool for the Top Rock Brewing um, thing. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> a don't need a slap. B don't need the train breaking down. Uh, there's always National Express. <laughs> Next, we're oh, well. The camera cuts actually. It cuts to ringside. Who? Uh, sorry, it cuts to, to ringside where a certain Sean Waltman is sat on his own with security around him, and Tony detailing that he was a free agent after being released from the WWE. Yeah, that's they, still yep. ble- they, they bleep out certain F's in certain places, but in other places then they don't. So yep. there you go. Um, yeah. He's looking a lot different as well. He's like, yeah, he's looking a little bit different. Yeah, he's grown his hair out, he's grown a, a goatee out, he's wearing a bandana. He just looks like X Pac. <laughs> you know? We know it's the same guy, guys, before anyone goes, well, you do know it is X Pac. I'm like, yeah, I know that. I'm just saying, he looks more like X Pac than he does 123 Kid. Yeah, yeah. 123 yeah. Kid, as, as the term fucking says, is kid. It was very kiddie, weren't it? Yeah. Uh, this... If he came out with a goatee, they'd be like, oh shit, is it puberty? Is it 123 teen? 123 teen. One, two, three. I don't know. <laughs> Next up, we're going to see... Oh, okay. You said you were going to take this one, actually, didn't you? Um, I did, yes. Uh, yeah, you can take this one. And to be honest, I didn't I'm... mind this either. For all the shitting on Callow, I didn't mind it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to shit on Callow a lot here, guys. <laughs> the poor guy. He put his heart, soul, and fucking brains on the floor for you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? Maybe he should fucking feud with Glacier. <laughs> no, because he's basically he's gonna fucking fatality himself anyway. He may as well fucking face with Mortal Kombat. Oh, sorry, no, he's not Mortal Kombat. Is he? He's a fake Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that back. I'll take it back. I don't. I, I just don't want WCW getting in any tra- trademark lawsuits. You know, like or us for that matter. You know, uh, Mortal not combat <laughs> or not Mortal Kombat, whatever. But yeah, point stands. Uh, yeah. So we got Mexican Championship the AAA Championship, and this time, for, I think for the first time on the podcast, we actually see the belt. And now we've seen the belt, but we haven't actually seen it up close. Yeah, yeah. So you can't really figure it out, because it's on, like, old fucking 4.2 bloody letterbox camera. Can't really make it out, but you actually see the AAA logo on this uh, yeah. belt this time. Uh, it's still just referred to as the Mexican Championship. It's not the AAA Championship or anything. It's not affiliated with any company apart from WCW, because... Triple A are just ignoring it at this point, and the WCW decided, yeah, he's going to defend it. We're not going to give him a different belt wall, because fuck that. Okay, but yeah, it is the Triple A Championship. It's confirmed. We can rest that case now. Did you think that it was kind of like it with Tipex, Tom? Because uh, no. it's like a, it's a gold belt, but it's white writing, and it kind of felt like they just Tipexed it on. <laughs> it was definitely the Triple A logo. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, if it were Tipex, then it'd be like, Who's fucking Tipex it Banksy? Because it actually looks like the Triple A logo. It was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. Neil Buchanan. Yep. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I am living and dying by that fucking myth. Whatever you want to fucking call it, I'm living and dying by it. The, the day that Neil Buchanan passes away, that's when Banksy will pass away as well. <laughs> you never see them both in the same room. We don't see Banksy at all. No, that's true, yeah. We don't know what he looks like. <laughs> Of course we haven't seen him in the same fucking room, you adult. <laughs> I just love I love people's reactions to it. It's fucking great. It really does 
Like, give me life. It really does. Oh, fucking hell. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we need to stop really rambling on and actually talk about these matches because we are on t- three matches in, Mark. <laughs> we are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I ask again, why is Conan, Conan in the dungeon? No idea. Why? Because the look and the music do not match at all. Because he is coming out to the dungeon and doing music here. Obviously, I didn't hear it at Fall Brawl because I had the sound quite way down, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, he's got he's got all the trimmings of the Dungeon of Doom. But, apart from the actual gimmick, it just does not work. Uh, and he's being accompanied to the ring by Jimmy Hart as well. Which is even more fucking bizarre because you see this guy dressed like a gangster. And this guy, well, it's Jimmy Hart. So, you know what he looks like. Fucking cold, over colourful, but jumping around and screeching, wearing sunglasses indoors because he's a fucking he's a knobhead. Uh, <laughs> I can't stand Jimmy Hart. I just really can't. But yeah, it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's just so weird, and it's not explained at all. It's not explained. It's not laid out why he's part of the dungeon now. No. Apart from oh, he sought help from Jimmy Hart. Well, f- fine. Fucking let's look at Jimmy Hart as ma- as his manager for a period, and he wasn't part of the dungeon. You know, he was just an accomplice to the dungeon. It's, yeah, yeah, makes no sense. Anyway, not a bad start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know that sounds really weird, but not a bad start. The hammerlock is reserved, reserved, reversed by Kawa over the top of Conan, who uses the leverage of the arm to hit Hilaria, which is really clever, really clever. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but Kawa has fixed gear tonight. It doesn't say Quello on the back. Yes, I did notice this, yeah. Yeah, but it does like look very much like there was yellow tape covering a bit of the uh, the sea to me. <laughs> so Just I'll, as we asked him to do <laughs> on which, the previous podcast. <laughs> exactly. And now I'm criticising him for it because now it looks like, like he's just had all his gear made, gone, shit, they spelt my name wrong and just taped over every single, single one. <laughs> it's like for a one-off pay-per-view, then yeah, you know, just uh, tape over it because you're on your way out, mate. Just fucking sort it out. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure you could have had m- a- the gear altered from last night till tonight, and it's not the same gear. It's different colours. It's not fucking the Tabasco sauce coloured one like last night. It's, yeah, it's blue and yellow this time. Yep. You know, it- I'm pretty sure you could have had that fixed overnight, but he doesn't. <laughs> so whatever. I love how hot you're getting about it. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. I'm not hot. He just looks like an idiot. <laughs> Well, he, he wrestles like a fucking idiot as well, so... <laughs> oh, man. This is great. Yeah. Anyways, there's some decent lucha action and chain wrestling, albeit a bit clunky, but what do you expect? Super Kawo. Kawo <laughs> hits a uh, tope suicida into a senton and crashes right into the guardrail at high speed. <laughs> Just as we started getting going, he fucking decides, you know what? As 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 one of commentators said, I think it was Larry saying literal suicide. <laughs> you know, he attempts fucking literal suicide. Yep. Yep. Uh, that looks sore, but he gets he gets up fairly quickly. You know, fair fucks to him. Uh, that won't be the first time I said that tonight. No, uh, he, tonight. he dodged a bullet there, didn't he? But having said that, like any normal wrestling match would see the opponent sort of catch him, but he, if you look at Conan, <laughs> Conan's like. Fuck this shit, and he moves. <laughs> he fucking he knows. He's like, whoa, this guy is going way too quickly. Fuck that, and he just fucking moves out of the way. You could see like he sort of fucking raises his head a little bit and looks looks over to see if Callow's all right, and then puts his head back down and sort of yeah. goes, ah, uh, man, not that you than me. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'll say one thing. 
Conan looks over, but he doesn't fucking go and check if he's all right at any point. Because usually you can tell, like, when they're saying, are you all right, pal? It's like, yeah. you're not fucking Bob. He's just like, well, better you than me, mate, I suppose. Yep. <laughs> you know, it, it is quite fucking funny, to be honest with you. Fuck it's almost me. as if Conan's like, pump the brakes. Oh, shit, too late. <laughs> yeah, it's way yeah. too late. Yeah, yeah, fucking hell. It decreased me a little bit. Yeah, bless. Uh, back in the ring, Conan hits an orange take down off the top rope for two. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Conan stretches Kawa and hits a trapping t- uh, sit-down powerbomb. Uh, gotta say, Conan is qu- looking quite good in this match. So yeah. I think it's like probably the best match we've seen from him so far. And I think I've said that three times in a row now. But yeah, he <laughs> is improving. He's he, he's winning me over a little bit, even though he's a bit of a dick. Uh, Ka- I don't like Conan. Uh, Kawa rallies with an orange drive takedown and the weakest, and I mean the weakest-looking slingshot baseball drop kick to Conan on the outside, which, if he sold it, then he's a fucking idiot. Thankfully... <laughs> He doesn't sell it at all. He just he bounces back <laughs> off. He bounces back off the rail and was like, "I know you got buddy. You know you're you're crashing to the fucking guardrail at 120 mile per hour, but you fucking hit me at two mile per hour. What the fuck, dude?" Uh, Carol then hits a springboard crossbody plancher, which was less dangerous than the last aerial move he did. So <laughs> you know, good job, good job. Back inside, Conan base, baseball drop kicks Carol, who almost landed flat on his face. And at this point, I was just thinking, does his mask hinder his vision? I mm. think it does. Yeah, good yeah, thing. Yeah, I think they're not shoot glasses. They're not shoot shades, obviously. No. But you know, they're, they're made from. It, it would be like I don't know tights. Like that would be the, it would be like that mesh on the yeah. on the part. That's what I'm assuming it is. It, it's still pretty hard to see, no matter how brightly lit the arena is. Like I think that is a problem. Uh, but yeah, it must be hard to see out that thing. Conan locks in a guillotine chalk hold and spends time cussing out the NWO and shouting various other expletives at the camera. I'm pretty sure he was swearing in Spanish at this point. Conan goes up top, but Cowell cuts him off with a running drop kick. Cowell goes for a head fuck's sake. Cowell goes for a head scissor, and I swear he has done this every single fucking match he's been in right now. All three of them, Mark. I swear to fucking God. I think Hoobie's done this as well, but <laughs> when he goes for head scissor. He ends up flipping without his opponent and crashes to the mat. <laughs> and Conan drops right onto him too late. Now, I'm wondering, is this Kawa or is this just being mismatched with different opponents? Mm. I think it's Kawa because what I think at this point, when he's going for this, he's, he's not getting all of it. He's not getting the legs around the neck like he's supposed to. He's mistiming it himself and going a little bit too fast and his opponent's having to make up for his... You know, for his um, eagerness, let's let's say, uh, yeah, there's yeah. definitely some miscommunication, but it just it seems to happen with him and only him. <laughs> and yeah, it's I mean, obviously I say Hoovy as well, but this is it's a cowl trait at this point. It, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, the ref fucking checks he, the ref checks on Cowell after fucking landed on him. Conan just rolls off him. He's like, <laughs> "Yep, that's your fault." Like, again, no sympathy, no sympathy at all. <laughs> Uh, I will say Larry does try to cover for this as well just saying like it's high risk style and accidents happen yeah. you're going to be saying that a lot then Larry you really are <laughs> there's a bit of back and forth and another weak ass slingshot baseball drop kick which Conan's uh, Ken Conan sells this time and gets his feet stuck under the rapen fucking idiots <laughs> why are you selling it like why why would you sell that just like after the first time you know he's not going to hit it right but yeah. yeah, he gets his feet trapped under the apron, which is quite funny. Carol does a slingshot Selton. Uh, Selton? Selton. Selton. Good effort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, put it this way, he's rubbing off on me. I'm watching now. And, 
And then a missile dropkick and lands hard <laughs> on the fucking concrete. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I'd be wait honestly, I'd be keeping my laughter in because I've been waiting for you since <laughs> right. since that Toy Cena. Uh <laughs> I've been waiting for you to fucking get to this moment. Yeah. This all, was horrific. All, all I put was for fuck's sake. <laughs> Actually, I didn't put that. I just put FFS dot dot dot. That's literally I couldn't even be asked putting all the letters in. I just I abbreviated and did a triple dot to to show my disgust and my please, disappointment. And please tell me that you heard as soon as he hits the floor. Please tell me that you heard what what happened next. Um. Right. Uh, I just thought in my head splat. I didn't hear it right. If there's anything specific, it, oh, there is. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I've clearly missed this because at this point I had my head in my hands. He lets out like a proper. Like, obviously, the the camera is it's just so fucking perfect for this, isn't it? Like it, it happens right in front of the fucking camera, uh, and the camera that's over him obviously has some fucking microphone, boom mic or whatever on fucking top of it, and all you can hear is Callow just going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like. He's proper hurt himself, and I would try to isolate, isolate like, ha- like which part of his body is actually hurt, because it's a missile drop kick to the floor. I think your whole body's gonna fucking hurt, but it does look like he's caught his thigh on the fucking guardrail leg, just Out. fucking, and yeah, and he, he, all you hear is just this gurning, like that, like, what am I doing with my life? That sort of fucking, like, if, if that could be translated by Google Translate, that's what it'd say. What am I doing with my life? And again, you can kind of see, like, Conan just sort of rising up and looking over and going, I wonder if he's all right. <laughs> We're not asking him again. Just like, oh, it's okay. Like, yeah, he's a professional. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I, you said you hope, hope that Google Translate is like, what am I doing with my life? All I can think of is like, Arr. it's just one <laughs> syllable, so it must be just, fuck. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but it's uh, fucking great, honestly. It's obviously not great seeing people get hurt and stuff like that, but the guy knows. Like, a missile dropkick from the fucking top rope to the floor. When there's just... barely any fucking mats as well. You're talking where the ramp starts. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just fucking... You're just asking for trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And no, no sympathy for him. Conan's in the right not to ask him if he's okay. <laughs> I take it all back. You know what, Conan? You're a proper professional. Like, yep. You're fucking bringing it on yourself, buddy. You know, you fucking deserve it. Ah, oh, man. I also think with the way he landed, he must have landed on his tailbone as well. So, and I fucking... Uh, I've slipped on ice and landed on my tailbone uh, probably about five or six times in my life. And it yeah. fucking hurts that. Now, you take that from, you know, just a few feet off the ground, basically, onto a hard floor. And then you're looking at, like, what? 10, 12 feet here yep. in the air. And then yep. splat to the ground. That's nasty, but... Very. Yeah. No getting away from it. You are going to fucking hurt yourself. It's as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Kawa gets up. Fucking hell, surprisingly, he gets up. And <laughs> not too far long after, it's like... He must be popping paracetamol as he's going along. Like, I, I, after that, I'm like, just... Just fucking... Ask, ask three MTs just to come and take you away. Just be fucking... I've done with it, you know. But no, he gets up. And uh, back in the ring, he Irish whips Conan into the corner and goes through what I think is a running seated sentence. But Conan <sighs> moves and Cowell, yeah. why did he do this? Honestly, why, why, why did he do this? He flips and lands on his fucking neck. <sighs> why flipping at that point? 
I don't even know what move you're trying to do. It, like right, because it was going for a sentiment. Like you know, maybe you, like what X Pack, Sean Waltman, Six, whatever you want to call him, does. Like the Bronco Buster, etc. Yeah. Uh, Conan's not sat down. He stood up. Yeah. So he's gone. It looks like just like a a, a CT sentence splash. A bit like what Rey Mysterio does to the outside. Yeah. Like a little, little bit like that. But Conan moves, and at the last minute, he just does this. He defies all fucking gravity and just flips and lands straight <laughs> on his fucking neck. Yeah. Like, why would you even try that? Just, I know you don't want to hurt your balls, mate, but just crash into the fucking turnbuckle. Just crash, you know, because at the end of the day, your ball, your balls will recover from that pain. You know, you're not going to completely squish them. It's just going to be a little bit of a bump. I, I see people get wobbled with more fucking ferocity than what, you know, that he would have hit that turnbuckle. It's padded for fuck's sake. He would have been fine. He would have been fine. No, I just like, well, I haven't hurt my neck today, so... Pfft. Like, 99% of what he does looks fucking dangerous. Yes, I, I yeah. completely agree. It, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> doesn't make sense. I, I don't know what's wrong with this dude. I, <laughs> Seriously. I the guy's got issues. Is he like a fucking nihilist or something? I think he might be, yeah. He's just like, well, I fucked everything else up on my body. May as well break my neck as well. Yep. Fuck uh, me. God, he's entertaining. I'll give him that. Yeah. Yeah, for all the wrong reasons. Okay, <laughs> next move. A catching cradle DDT by Conan gets two. Mike Tanay calls it a brain buster. Oh dear. Like, Tanay, come on, you're the wrestling professor. I think I think Callow's rubbing off on people here. He's rubbing <laughs> off on me. He's rubbing off on Tanay. You know, yeah. I, I think that's all it is. So I can I'll I'll, I'll give Tanay the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but yeah. Conan gets two from that, obviously, and then a victory roll, victory roll from the corner gets another close call. Now, I couldn't even figure out what Kyle was trying to do here. I didn't even put it down because he just jumped in the corner and Conan just stood, stands there like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, And then he's like, yep, victory roll. Why not? We get a finish here. Thank God we get the fucking finish. <laughs> Conan struggles to pick Kyle up, but he, he eventually does. Into a high-angled sit-down powerbomb. Sweet as you fucking like. Really, really good finisher. Really good finisher. I really like it. That should be his finisher. I don't. I know he's won with the fucking rolling thunder to fucking lariat before. That that is seemingly a setup move now. But yeah. they should absolutely be his finisher because it's the one move that he does to absolute perfection. It makes it look fucking brutal. And even with Cowell, you know it's safe. Yeah. Cowell doesn't land on his neck. Hmm. You know, you think that Cowell might have just gone like, right, uh, took my neck back. You know, no, he doesn't bother. You know, he keeps his neck forward. He lands proper. It's all good. He's safe. He's not hurt any more than what he is. And Conan <laughs> gets a win. Uh, I would say, right, <laughs> it was decent for like two minutes. And then it just became a fucking train wreck of epic proportions. <laughs> because we've had such a good laugh at this. I was laughing throughout it, just how bad Cal actually <laughs> is. Uh, but yeah, it's just like... Yeah, it, it was just it was so entertaining for the wrong reasons. Yeah, um, Conan put in a hell of a performance here, though. He 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 knew that he'd have to make up for Cowell fucking trying to paralyze himself, I suppose. So he he put in the work, and what he did was was decent enough. He he didn't fucking botch anyway. But so yeah, Cowell needs to hone his craft, get better fucking gear, get get a better mask, whatever it fucking takes. Um, learn English I know he's working with Conan here so he, he will speak Spanish as well but if you're working with an Englishman well an English speaking person learn English mate so you can communicate with your opponents properly because 
Honestly, I don't want to see that fucking that that head scissor takedown attempt again. I really don't because every single time I think like he's gonna seriously hurt himself. And today, Conan fucking landed right on him, mm. and like his head got wedged between Conan's back and the mats. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a concussion. Yeah, you yeah. know the the ref the ref fucking checks on him immediately. Like, are you okay? You're all right, pal. Like, thankfully, someone had to, I suppose. But yeah, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. That a train wreck. An absolute train wreck. But I would say go out your way to watch it because it is fun. It is fun for, for, for what it is. Hell not to be a cruiserweight wrestler. Um, yeah, three and a half stars Meltzer gave this. Um, he, he probably gave it the same uh, same rating. Uh, get, sorry. He, gave, he probably gave it that rate, rating for the same reasons we enjoyed it. <laughs> he just liked to see someone... You know, just uh, become a human wrecking ball. Yeah, if if we're going to give him any sort of compliment, he basically he did put his body on the line for this, just to to. Oh, I mean, literally, literally. Yeah, I think this made made Conan look a lot better than Conan actually is. To be fair, um, yeah, because he had to, he had to graft. And yeah. He's working with a fucking idiot as well, but he had to graft as well. It was like, I don't think Conan did anything particularly wrong. The only thing I would say about this match is that. It just seemed to be a mixed match of uh, of moves, like a pick and mix of moves. There was just no cohesive story being told. But then again, th- that's kind of hard when you've got a, a an opponent who's intent on breaking bones. Not his opponents, his own. Uh, but he's also not selling. When he's actually legitimately hurting himself, he's getting up quite quickly. Yeah. Like, he's just powering through. Fair foot Sakawa for powering through, by the way. Let's not over-fucking uh, overlook that. But, yeah, Jesus Christ. And Gas <laughs> talking about this match. Just how funny it were. Well, uh, do you want the good news or the good news? Go on. We're not going to be seeing Callaway WCW for another four months. Wow, okay. <laughs> this is last match until 1998. Um... <laughs> 1998? That's more than four Sorry. months. Sorry. Yeah, 1997. Sorry, my bad. Um, that's because I ended up looking looking through his match history, and I didn't know he, he's actually in WCW till like mid 1999. I did not know this. Oh Jesus um, fucking Christ! I don't remember seeing him much unless he changes his uh, completely changes his get up, which uh, which would make sense because he teams with El Dandy quite a lot, and I remember El Dandy. I just don't. I, I just I don't know. So we'll wait and see. We'll see what the um, see what he's like after the uh, concussion wears off. <laughs> <laughs> And he learns a little bit more in English. Uh, to Mike Tanay, who's with Sean Waltman, who is quite clearly fucking drunk. I said he's stoned. Yeah, one or the other. He's he's just off his tits. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one thing. It's more likely that he's fucking stoned. Yeah, he was a high functioning pothead in WWE by this point. Like you know, I I I wouldn't be surprised. Put it that way. Just out. To be fair though, to say he's either stoned, drunk, under the influence of whatever fucking. narcotic whatever he's on right <laughs> whatever he's on here he still had more charisma than glacier yes he did yeah. he sounded more excited put it that way yeah and he doesn't sound excited often does Watman because he hasn't it's like this is what i always found funny the called in the one two three kid but he's got such a deep voice <laughs> like that, that, that he's definitely not a fucking kid is he did it did the one two three kid have a fucking he had an accent as well didn't he like scott hall because um, his, his theme was like one, two, three, like that, weren't it? I don't think he ever had an accent. accent. Did he not? No, no right. I don't. I don't particularly remember that. Might have just um, been the theme. 
Maybe when he teamed up with uh, Razor Ramon, yeah, he might have. He might have just put on an accent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's at, he's at ringside with Mike Tanay. Uh Mean Mike Tanay, we'll call him, because Gene's fucked off now. Pretends to be uh, quite gutted when Tanay tells him who won the Full Brawl War Games. Obviously, it was the NWO. Uh, and he goes, oh, what a shame. Apparently, he was on a plane. So, yeah. Um, right. By the way... Uh, it's fucking, if you didn't know, it's blatant that he was joining the NWO, that or, that he's already a part of the NWO at this point, because, excuse me, i got a hair in my mouth. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, you had, if you didn't know, he was joining the NWO, it's fucking blatant that he is, and he has at this point, because when he goes, uh, oh, what a shame, it's not only unconvincing, or inconvincing, whatever the fucking word is, um... And he does say, oh, shucks, gesture. Yeah. <laughs> and he has got a shit-eating grin on his face. Right? He gave it away immediately. Yep. He gave it away. I mean, I liked it. Yeah, Again, I liked it because... It's, he... that, it's that it's that attitude, and it's yeah. that kind of NWO attitude that you kind yeah, of... Yeah, of course. ...expecting, aren't you? But if, um, if, he, if he was trying to not give it away, he fucking failed. But, you know, it's blatantly, it's the biggest giveaway ever. It's like, well, yeah, he's part of the NWO. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's obvious that he is. Um, But that's the point in it, really. Next up, we're going to see Brad Armstrong versus Hugh Morris. Um, A good solid showing from Armstrong initially with some quick striking moves and a drop kick sending Morris out to the outside. Oh, by the way, Morris is not with Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart's got a new bestie. Ah, yeah, I didn't even fucking pick up on that. Yeah, well played. Yeah, he's he's on his own. I'm like, where the fuck's Jimmy Hart? And, and immediately after I thought that, I'm like, well, who the fuck cares? But the irony in this one could be and, that Jimmy Hart thinks fucking hell, he's got an annoying laugh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, Jimmy Hart probably gaslighting people for having a really horrible laugh. I'll go with that. Yeah, I won't be I won't be surprised. <laughs> it, I won't be surprised. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, he sends Morris to the outside after initial offence from Morris, who exclaims on the outside that that's not funny, end quote. Morris is on top now, striking in the corner, very hard. Big splash in the other corner once he's fired him off. Uh, Brad fires off again, dodges another splash, hip-tosses Morris, but Morris with a massive clothesline sends him back down again. Small package for Brad, only gets a two count. Big power slam sets up Brad, so, sorry, sets Brad up for the no-laughing Matu Moonsault from the top, but a nonchalant pin... Gives Brad the chance to reverse and to get the win in and three minutes and fifty five seconds. This is the skippable one, I think, of this uh, episode. You don't yeah, really need um, this. And... I I just thought I didn't really write much about this match to be honest with you. I just said Armstrong is trying his best, but this match just isn't interesting. Mm-hmm. And who gives a fuck about this match? Not the <laughs> audience, because they were st- they were stone dead for one point where Armstrong went to the outside and you heard about four fans going. Brad, Brad, Brad. <laughs> it just sounded like a football chant. Yeah. That's why. I, that's why I picked up on it. It was just, yeah. No one gave a fuck about this match. No, still it's a fan a of Brad Armstrong's theme tune though. I'm alright with that. Yeah, it is. It's a bit. It's, it's very catchy, isn't it? I need to find that actually. I need to. I need to remember to fucking find that on YouTube when we finish. Yeah, and you know Armstrong looks fucking great. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I mean, everything he does looks great, and he looks great. He's fucking ripped. But you know, there's just nothing. I won't say likable about him because he, he he does come across as a likable guy, but as a wrestler, as a character, there's nothing really likable about him. There's just 
nothing hateable, but just nothing interesting. Yeah, that's his, it's another one of them, innit? It's just vanilla and there's nothing going on, even though he's got the got the basics down. Yeah, and, and Hugh Morris is just, you know, weird and annoying. <laughs> but a decent wrestler, I mean, I'll give him it, I'll give him his jury as a decent wrestler, you know, it's just that the, the gimmick just, it's, it goes back to what we've been saying about Eric Bischoff wanted to move away from the cartoony stuff. And, yeah, they've got cartoony characters all over the fucking place. And this is this is one of the worst. It's like fucking Pinky on the brain rolled into one. Like, <laughs> it's just... Yeah, I, I, I'm just not interested in, in Hugh Morris at all. No. But once again, he'll probably put that down to uh, Kevin Sullivan and his fetish for characters. Maybe. Hour two did start counting down during the finale for this match, uh, and it starts with Mike Tanay introducing the Macho Man, and then they obviously recap the NWO attack from last night, primarily in his match, not the one at the end of the show. Uh, they promote Halloween Havoc and the title match, which is going to be between the Macho Man Randy Savage and Hollywood Hulk Hogan. He says he he more or less has nothing left to lose now. He's only got one marble left. He's lower than rock bottom and that Hogan can't take what the macho man has to give. Obviously, I've not done that a lot of... Uh, I've not done it any justice whatsoever by flying through it like that, but... To be fair, he does fly macho. through He flies through it himself. Yeah, he does, yeah. I like to the point. Yeah, I like I like the rhyming at the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah, well, like. so I was going to write that down, but I couldn't be asked rewinding it. <laughs> yep, same, same. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, yeah. a ra- it's a Randy Savage bloody interview. The, the guy is just a... He's a promo machine. What is. more can you, what more can you say about it? It's yeah. like it's it's almost always entertaining. We've had the odd odd promo where it's just been a little bit weird, but I mean he is weird, but you know what I mean. Weird for his his standards. Like like he's had off nights, but here yeah. he's rhyming. He's coming out with these awesome fucking cliches, you know. But it, it like being a million miles below rock bottom, you know, and saying that it doesn't matter if it, if he loses his last marble, like. I like it. I like it. But it's just a, a savage promo end at day. Yeah. And I know that's not doing it justice, but, I mean, he does himself justice. We don't need to fucking bat for him. No, that's it. It's Macho Man. It's as simple as that. Um, <clears throat> you really want to try putting in a little bit of effort, though? <laughs> just saying, like, you know, a million miles below the bottom, yeah. <laughs> he does deserve at least that. Yeah. It turns out this is going to go into a match. Uh, Scott Norton is out, and these two just go for it in the entranceway. Like, they genuinely hate each other, but I can't harken back to any moment that these two have even fucking squared off no, each other. No, because this is just Savage. Like, Scott Norton didn't have a choice in the match. Savage just went for him. He was like, yeah, yeah fuck you! <laughs> yeah, so... I think yeah. what they're really doing is just putting over how unhinged and pissed off he is. Yeah, So yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter who his opponent is. He's, you know, he's, he's not going to be your friend tonight, guys. You can put anybody in the ring with him you could put Luger in the ring with him and he'd be like that's it you know I'm, I'm not your friend fuck you you know I'm just yeah. gonna take my anger out on you even though we were friends last night <laughs> ah WCW <laughs> yeah. same old shit um, yeah the attack happens because well other than fuck it I mean why not Macho with the standard axe handle off the top to the floor after a backdrop from Macho when they actually got in the ring to go back out of it again and that happens a lot as well. Norton bumps hard for a simple right hand on the outside off the apron, but Norton gets the advantage quickly when they get back in the ring with plenty of hand strikes and a backbreaker. Uh, he fires Macho down with a powerbomb on his arm, 
but again only gets a two count from a pinfall. A short arm clothesline, another power slam, and another two count. But a corner splash attempt is dodged by Matt Shaw, who then gets his shots in. But it's nothing to Norton, who absorbs and attacks again. Again, Macho fights back, but it's to no avail until a big clothesline off the ropes and we go to the outside and to the guardrails. Macho throws him back into the ring, only to throw him back out of the ring, the <laughs> other side, without even striking the fucker, uh, and body slams him on the floor. <laughs> yeah, so uh, weird. <laughs> you're getting your money's worth at fucking ringside, aren't you? Let's be honest. Um, yeah, he's just playing to the crowd. Yeah. You know, unhinged, but got to put on a performance for the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Back in Norton reverses uh, a whip into a DDT, a gut wrench onto a shoulder breaker and Macho rolls out of the ring again. Norton angrily throws the steps away and then catches Macho to th- catches up to Macho to throw him into the said steps. But Macho reverses and Macho goes absolutely mental. Um, Norton ends up in the ring post. Macho throws Penzer to the floor. <laughs> poor yeah, Penzer. Poor yeah. Penzer. <laughs> Takes his chair and demolishes Norton with plenty of it must be noted, unprotected head shots with the chair. Plenty of vigour. Mm-hmm. Uh, resulting in a disqualification. Macho messily, messily throws Nick Patrick into the apron, who sells a shot to the eye, of all things. And uh, the worth... crowd go fucking ballistic for it as yeah. well. <laughs> worth noting that Nick Patrick wasn't actually the referee. He'd just come out because it was a DQ and there was a fucking chair being thrown around because Nick yeah. Patrick's a superhero. Um, Macho oh, yeah. just stomps off to the back after that and yeah 6 minutes 35 seconds and the winner is obviously Scott Norton via disqualification <laughs> I fucking love this match yeah <laughs> it was just a brawl it were a brawl and it was just putting over fucking the insanity of Savage it, yeah. it was just it was just fun yeah uh, I kind of feel uh, retroactively of course feel a bit sorry for Scott Norton here for having to absorb those chair shots but <laughs> you know I'm pretty sure Norton doesn't give a shit. He, he got the option to wrestle Randy Savage. He said yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. And nothing wrong with that either. Um, Scott Norton just an hard motherfucker anyway. So, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, as you, as you always say, Macho, he sort of fucking pre, pre-plans all this with his opponents anyway. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if Scott Norton just says, just fucking lay that shit in, man. It doesn't matter. He's a big burly boy. You can take it. He probably won't fucking feel it. No, he probably wouldn't. Uh, next up, it's the almost second moment that everybody's been waiting for. It's the Nitro debut of Glacier. Uh, and he is going to be going up against Big Bubba Rogers, who's been calling him out for the past few weeks, who was accompanied to the ring by Jimmy Hart. Whole hog on the entrance as well. Like, you see where AEW and Sting got their fucking idea from? Because there's a hell of a lot of snow in this one. Yeah. Um, in the middle of September. It's an impressive looking entrance. But it's also cheesy and unnecessary. <laughs> All I could think of was how much is it costing WCW just to do that entrance alone? Oof. Yeah. I say, take some of that money and put it towards a fucking screen. I will always <laughs> come back to this. Get a fucking screen in your arenas. Dude, I think it's a fair point. Yeah. And by the way, the entrance was longer than the fucking match. Yes, it was. Um, the match actually went two minutes and 42 seconds. I'm pretty sure the entrance went for about four again. Uh, Glacier, I'm going to slightly pay him a compliment here, shows plenty of balance and agility as he shows off his kicking ability in particular. Yeah. Uh, a few kicks and leg sweeps. But you can see early on that this simply isn't going to work in wrestling. Uh, nope. Bubba gets a few proper moves on after rushing into a few too quickly, allowing Glacier plenty of reversals. But going forward... Uh, no amount of restraint and balance is going to help Glacier in WCW. He does get the win. I haven't detailed how because 
the the. I get the overwhelming sense that Glacier isn't going to work in WCW. I don't know where I get this idea from, uh, but yeah, it's one thing to to be doing kung fu kicks and shit like that. But okay, Big Bubba's jobbed out here. But if you get fucking Scott Norton against this motherfucker, it's over in thirty seconds. It's not yeah. even thirty seconds to be honest. He's he's just going to pick you up. He's going to dump you down, and it's a three count. Yeah, he's going to break the ice, uh, so to speak. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Um. And again. No rhyme or reason why he's an ice man. No. Nope. No, it's uh, that same freezer. Oh, by the way, going back to the many, many, many vignettes that we've had, uh, he didn't live up to that. He didn't live up to it, so that promotion is just lost on me. It's just wasted her time. And come to think of it, why did he not once say, uh, Glacier cometh? Like a play on the ice man cometh. Mm. Oh, it's mm. Glacier is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the, so, sorry, the juvenile part of me just... It, yeah, we're going to laugh at that. Sorry, we're going to pick apart the word coming. We can't, yeah. you know, even I put fucking uh, head scissor come bloody hurricane rana in my, in my notes earlier and I had a little chuckle. Like, you know, it it, 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 it happens, it, it's just what we like, you know. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're... And probably, like, I'd say a good fucking proportion of human beings are dirty-minded. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, then, from... and then, oh, and then you see his entrance, and you see all this white shit coming from the fucking ceiling. It's like, yes. yeah, fucking hell, he is coming, but yeah, but he'll yeah. see a doctor because it's all flaky and horrible. Yeah, it's Dracon. That's what it is. Oh, nice! What a visual. <laughs> um, I just snorted laughing. <laughs> the blue light as well to to tell you that it is blue. We're back from a break. Oh yeah, uh, the blue light is on throughout the match as well. Is it? Yeah. I, don't, I didn't. I didn't notice that. Yeah, they did. They did not turn the lights up. Jesus Christ! <laughs> so I think that's kind of like his gimmick. So um, all I can imagine is that somebody over at WWE saw this and went, "Oh, well, they've got an icy man that has uh, an icy man. Uh, they've got an icy <laughs> man with uh, with blue lights. We'll have a fiery man with red lights because yeah. they do do that with Kane for a while." Yeah. He has the red lights on throughout his matches. So it, it doesn't last long because they realise it's not viable. And then, mm. you know, fucking two decades later, they make the same mistake with Bray Wyatt. But, you know, I mean, yeah, it just... it For a vis- visual effect, it does look pretty cool because it's different. For an but entrance, yeah. For, yeah. I mean, I mean, for just for the match, now and then, it does look a little bit different. It breaks up one match from the other. But yeah. it's also a case of... Uh, I just think fans would find it hard to see it. Yeah. If you're in the cheap sheet, uh, cheap sheets, cheap uh, sheets, cheap seats, you ain't seeing shit. Yeah, yeah. It, and to be fair, you're probably going to be straining like fuck as well. Yeah. Especially with red, I think you'd be straining your eyes like fuck. Yeah. So, um, speaking of Glenn Jacobs, obviously we're going to detail later on the uh, the raw results. Glenn Jacobs has. Or will be appearing in the next week in uh, WWE TV or WWF Raw, but not as Kane. Dum dum dum. We're back from a break here on WCW Nitro, and Sting is out to no music and no fanfare at all. Yeah, it's all fucking business. All business indeed. Uh, this is an infamous promo. The, uh, the I think it's the second to last time that you'll ever hear him. Sp- well, ever hear him speak. The, the second to last time that he speaks before his long hiatus of not speaking. I want a chance to explain something that happened last Monday night at Nitro. Last Monday night, 
I was on an airplane flying from L.A. to Atlanta. When I got to Atlanta, I tuned in the TV to Nitro. And I thought I was watching a rerun. It was a very convincing film. Why won't he look at the camera? Often imitated, but never duplicated, though. And what else did I see? I saw people, I saw wrestlers, I saw commentators, and I saw best friends doubt the stinger. That's right. Doubted the stinger. Like a little, so little symbolism I heard Lex Luger here. We say, turned our backs on him. I know and I guess where he's he lives. I know where he works out. I'm gonna go get it. So I said to myself, I'll just go into seclusion. I'll wait and see what happens on Saturday night. And I tuned in Saturday night, and what did I see? I saw more of the same, more doubt. Which brings me to Fall Brawl. I knew I had to get to Fall Brawl to get face-to-face -face with the total package to let him know that it wasn't me. And what I got out of that was, no, Sting, I don't believe you, Sting. Well, all I gotta say is, I have been mediator, I have been babysitter for Lex Luger. I've given him the benefit of the doubt about a thousand times in the last 12 months. Yeah. What's he getting to? I don't like the, and I don't I like the tone the of this WCW at all. And I carry the WCW banner. And I have given my blood, my sweat, and my tears for WCW. I don't like where this is going. So for all of those fans out there and all those wrestlers and people okay, I mean, that never doubted the stinger, I'll stand by you if you stand by me. But, but for all of the people, all of the commentators, all of the wrestlers and all of the best friends who did doubt me, you can stick it. From now on, I consider myself a free agent. But that uh -oh. doesn't mean that you won't see the stinger. From time to time, I'm going to pop in when you least expect it. Throughout this, he has his back to the camera and the commentary are questioning why he's got his back to the camera. Uh, obviously, that is a metaphor. It's his back to WCW. Uh, he is addressing the fans, and the fans only. Uh, he's not looking WCW in the eye. Because that's what you say. If, you, if you're looking at the camera, you you are looking at the company. You are looking, you know, it's it's all business. His back's turned to the camera. This isn't about WCW. It's about him and the fans, which is pretty fucking cool. It's, I, I do like that. Uh, I also like that he's particularly pissed off with Lex Luger. It's not just the commentary. Uh, obviously, he's pissed off with everybody, but he named Jocks Lex Luger for a reason because he's the one that stood by Luger when everyone else mistrusted him. He didn't, he didn't once... He, I mean, on, on a couple of occasions, he did sort of questioning, but always made up with him, just took his uh, every excuse for his own behaviour, just like he just accepted it for what it was. So, okay, fair enough, let's continue as this tag team. Uh, here... Like he's saying, like I babysat and I stood up for you a thousand times, but the one time where people mistrust me, you also called me a liar. Like, so 
And that, I think, really had to be said. Because that just ties everything together. If you, if you overlook that factor, then you're taking a lot of his reasoning away. You need you need that. And it goes to show you how long they have been building to this character. It, it's been, well, a year worth of build. A year since the very first Nitro he has been building to this. That is a long con fucking game. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, all-time promo. I just have to say, it's an all-time promo, that. I fucking, I rewound it and watched it, and then I rewound it again, and I watched it again. I fucking, that's how, how enthralled I was by it. And it's not like he's doing anything special. It's very simple, straight to the point, and he ties everything together. But there's not a word or, you know, not a single word or piece of emotion out of place. Yep. And the shock of the commentary is just the explanation point. Yep. It's just fucking brilliant. It's not necessary to go over the top. It's not necessary to... to convolute matters it's just like you said it's a very simple nuance of turn away from the camera don't look any camera in the face simply only talk to the fans because you're still over with the fans obviously the fans are the ones that have been watching tv for the past 12 months have seen lex luger be the um petulant child if you want to call him that and sting has been it's been doing it behind the back of sting um sting's obviously always been there and fucking blah 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 he's always been team wcw so yeah the whole thing Makes sense in the direction of of what has happened and what is going to happen, what is currently happening, um, and yeah, it, it's as you said, and I'm again one of the biggest fucking Sting fans you're ever going to fucking meet. This is this is right up there. This is this is another turning point, not necessarily in 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 wrestling, but certainly definitely in Sting and the Sting we see today. Like even at fucking whatever he is, sixty two years old. Yes. Or, yeah, all that. Yeah, he's sixty two. Yeah, it's just it, it, we we see that because of this promo. Yeah, and if and people don't get that, which obviously Sting is going to have a new fan base, he's got a whole bunch of new fans, young and old, that have never seen anything before. And if you listen to this podcast and you want to know the deep rooted history of the Sting that you see on AEW TV today, you have to start at this promo. Yeah, because this is where it all changes. This is where yeah. the whole black I, and white thing actually, happens. I wouldn't say start at this promo, start at the Nitro from the week before, see the seeds being planted of the distrust. Yeah, you know, I suppose the, you sorry, could. The, the mistrust, you know, the fake sting and that. I mean, obviously they recap it, but I think it's just good to watch these individual segments yeah. and then watch, uh, watch, just watch that clip from War Games where yeah. it comes out and, you know, it, it, it briefly helps uh, Team WCW and then he walks after... Yeah. Particularly getting into Lex Luger's face. And if you, know, you don't want anybody to watch else, it. Anybody else isn't a factor. He's more pissed off at Lex Luger than anybody. Yeah. And if you don't want to watch it, you can skip to two hours and 20 minutes in the previous episode of the Night Gem podcast. I watch along for Fall, Fall Brawl War Games 1996. Uh, we detail it. Uh, Beth was quite shocked. Um, and she was... And normally she'll get things right, but she got that one completely wrong. But, like, her idea, her, her armchair booking, it was... For someone that's still relatively a new fan, it was actually really clever. It's logical, yeah. It's yeah. logical. It could she make had, sense. Yeah, she, yeah. She she really did make a, a good case for mm. her points, and yeah, I was I was actually really really impressed with her on uh, when we recorded that the other night. When they're when they're doing these fucking meetings and stuff like that and discussing, 
you know, the creative direction for what's going to happen this week, what's going to happen next week. It wouldn't surprise me if that idea didn't go around the table at least once. Yeah. You know, and then they sort of settled on, well, no, we'll we'll do it this way, which I wouldn't change. Um, no, I wouldn't either. But, yeah. Um, and speaking of her shock as well, obviously I, I, I had a good idea what was to come. I knew this was happening. You know, I knew he was going to quote-unquote turn to the dark side, whatever you want to call it, and I know the reasoning. But when he told WCW to stick it, I mean, those two words, and very viscerally when he said it as well, yep. I was like, oh, my fucking God. Yeah. Like, the one thing I never expected him to do was just tell WCW to stick it. Like, yeah. wow, <laughs> that's that's definitely not Sting. No, and it's not. Yeah, no. he, we're, see, we're seeing a whole different side of him now, and... Oh my god, I'm gonna miss him on TV, but I cannot wait to see this play out. Hmm. I mean, obviously, we're still gonna see him on TV now and then, but I'm gonna miss his promos. I'm gonna miss him in the ring, but it'll well, be a long time before we see him wrestle again. Yeah, <laughs> Starcade '97. Hmm. Heenan speculates that this is essentially a come and get me plea to the NWO, or maybe even a, a ploy, a ploy to get WCW to to renegotiate. Of course, they don't say. Um, or maybe he could be going to the WWF, but in 1996, with all the shit that's happened, Kevin Nash got all Sean Wampers just turned up, Ted DiBiase, you know, people are jumping ship and nobody knows what's happening next week. If a guy comes onto TV, we're, you know, we're still suspending rea- uh, suspending belief for just a, a split second in wrestling in 1996. Are we thinking, Sting's just declared himself a free agent, maybe he could go to the WWE. I mean, it co- it turns out years years later, before Sting became the Crow Sting that we all know to this day, that he was he did have a a little bit of a conversation with Vinnie Mac up there in uh, Connecticut and uh, turned it down, obviously. But is that around this time? Could have been around this time. Yeah, I'm not really sure about that. I know he had a conversation with WWF after WCW closed, but that's about yeah. it. That's all I know of that of that uh, yeah. relationship. He said that they've uh, they had conversations prior as well. Uh, I'm trying to remember what he. You're gonna have to excuse me. My voice is going. <clears throat> um, he had conversations with him whilst WCW was still open because I think I think Sting renegotiated his contract like three times while WCW was open. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it's in um, it's it's in one of the two WWE produced documentaries. Right. So there's the Into the Light, isn't there, which is just centred around WrestleMania. And then there's obviously the Best Of one. Uh, and I think he did a bit of interviewing in the Best Of one. And I think it might have been there where he said... Or it might be the TNA ones. I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know enough. Uh, but yeah, going back to your point, uh, not uh, not hinting that he could go to WWE. Very smart move as well. Because if you... If you if he was to say... If he named dropped WWE then you're going to get your fan base tuning into Raw to see if he's going to turn up. Yeah. And that will happen immediately. Yeah. You know, and you do not want to be risking losing your fans to the other side. Not at this point. No, no, you don't. Um, fair shout. Fair shout. Next up, obviously, as everybody's sort of digesting that news, the four horsemen who were, uh, well, as a tag team, Owen Anderson and Ric Flair accompanied to the ring by a woman. Uh, because Liz says that she doesn't want to come out because she's been tagged by the NWO and she's terrified. Oh, so leave her in the backstage on her own. Good idea, oh, guys. <laughs> I thought that. It was also quite a dark area <coughs> as well. Yeah. You yeah. know, they could they could literally be hiding. They were all black. They could be hiding in the shadows. Like the, yeah. I, It just made no sense to me that 
it would have been better if she was out uh, with them because at least that way she, she can she'll have a level of protection. And yeah, she, yeah. She'll be more protected there than what she will be in the backstage. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. that that you know, I mean, a little nitpick, but I I just thought it was funny. Like you know, just uh, yeah, you stay there on your own. You'll be okay. Like leaving a child on their own, you know, <laughs> while she pops at shops. So you did, know. You, <laughs> did you see the guy who was asleep on the table? No, I miss that. Oh, right. So as as the camera pans away, um, and obviously Owen's like, we're going to get the job done. And then he leaves. Uh, and as he, as, he, as he comes off the camera, there is a guy asleep on a table next to a monitor. And Fucking Lizzie's hell. just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking hell. See, that could have been Vincent. That could have been Virgil. Like, she doesn't know. Uh, and they're going to face off against Chris Jericho and Marcus Alexander Bagwell, who's making his return after a, a little bit of a hiatus. I don't know why. Um, um yeah, because he's he's been off TV because Scotty Riggs is injured. Yeah, of course. I, I yeah, don't that. think we've seen Scotty Riggs since the attack from yeah. the NWO. We haven't seen him since, so mm. not not that I can recall, anyways. So yeah, maybe he's breaking away from the American males here as well because he's got different gear. So he does. Yeah, he's, he's got. Um, so he wasn't wearing red in American males, was he? Wearing no, black. He, yeah, they're wearing black or they're wearing white or they're wearing navy, and it tends to be jeans. Yeah, you know or. Some some form of fucking like denim blended pants. Yeah, yeah. He, here he just he, he he's wearing tights like and red tights. It's it's a whole different look. It is, um, and obviously he's not coming out to American males. He's coming out to Chris Jericho's music here. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, weird tag team. It was. It intrigued me a little bit. It, it did, did a little bit. Yeah, can't lie. Um, when the name card come up though, it it it. The way it was formatted, it made it look like it said Chris, uh, Chris Marcus and Jericho Bagwell. <laughs> you see a lot of them in memes now, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> could be a meme. It could uh, be. Do, 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 do. Oh, okay. So, so Sean Waltman's focused on uh, by the cameraman again, who's pressed a ridiculously oversized button box. Which releases tons and tons of paper from the ceiling with a lot of NWO propaganda, end quote, written on it, from the goading and gloating about the win at Fall Brawl to saying that they'll produce TV their own way. And this continues to fall as we begin the match, to which Nick Patrick is the referee. Um, you did detail earlier, didn't you, that um, the NWO have, have essentially negotiated their way into getting their own show at some point. Yeah, obviously details details do come into this match as well uh, as Arn and Jericho start this off with Arn getting the strikes in early Jericho with a missile dropkick to turn it round and then a spinning wheel kick to send Arn outside which is when B- Bischoff details that the NWO will get their own show as part of the terms of them facing Team WCW at Fall Brawl apparently it was DiBiase who did that weren't it Yeah. Um, uh, also not to gloss over Jericho's been here a matter of weeks and he's already in the ring with Arn Anderson and Rick fucking for yeah, like yeah. the the opportunities he's getting are bigger than any other superstar we've seen so far that mm. wasn't an established name. It is evident how highly they uh, they rate this young lad, this Jericho. I mean, we all know where he ends up, but they yeah. always see him as a big fucking deal. Yeah, it, rightfully it, so. It, yeah. And yeah, of course, and it's fucking great to see. Opportunity to mix it up with Rick Flair, and by the way, he's not in the ring with Flair that much in this match. I mean, mm. literally in the two or three sequences they have, it probably amounts to about a minute, maybe a minute thirty. 
but he doesn't look out of place, he doesn't look nervous, he's confident enough, and uh, so is Jericho. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that was a little joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it just it bleeds confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Flair and Bagwell in now, uh, and again, Flair on top with strikes and chops that soon wake Bagwell up and give him life again. Big back body drop and drop kick sends Flair to his knees, but that's a ploy to throw Bagwell out of the ring entirely. Orin beats, uh, beats him down while he's on the outside, but it's only temporary as Bagwell gets the upper hand. And Bagwell with a sunset flip attempt with Orin holding Flair so he doesn't go over. But Jericho in breaks Orin's grip, and it's a two count on the resulting pin. Uh, there's a backslide there as well, and that gets a two count. And then a small package, which gets a two count. And Flair stomps his feet and gets clotheslined out of the ring, crawling around the ring, picking up all the NWO flyers and dramatically throwing, the round, throwing them around in a temper as he stomps his way back up to the entranceway. Uh, Jericho is in with Orn as he's coming back. Orn gets a spine buster off after Flair cheap-shotted Jericho from the apron, while Bagwell gives Orn a slap for good measure. And my... Uh, do, do, do. Flair on top of Jericho with rights and chops. I, if, if I have skipped a bit here, you'll, you'll just have to bear with me because of the buffering. It fucking proper did my head in. Uh, Orin in stomps and then a guillotine slingshot on the bottom rope. Jericho sells quite nicely for Flair cheap shotting while Orin distracts the referee as well. Flair back in after helping Orin pull back on the abdominal stretch. And Jericho with a brief comeback, which is cut off, and Orin is back in with an ankle lock. Uh, we cut to split screen at this point, and a limo with the giant Pack Hogan, Hall, Nash, and the NWO Sting is back again. I like how you just called him Pack. <laughs> yeah, uh, Giant is turning, uh, tuning a radio, which turns out to be Sting on a cassette tape, which is what they used in the limousine the previous week. Uh, and the comment, the commentary team kind of react to it, don't they? And, and Bischoff sort of like, yeah, 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 we get it, we get it, we get it. Like it's a pretty big deal, this Bischoff. You know what I mean? Fucking hell. Um, Spinning toe hold from Orn, but Jericho kicks it off and gets the hot tag, which isn't that hot. Bagwell with all the rights on Fleur, who flops after about 10 rights in a row. Orn's in now, and Bagwell takes care of him with a vertical bridging into a pin, but Fleur breaks it with a kick to the ribs. Bagwell rolls him up off the ropes, but Woman is in with the eye rake from the side. Uh, Bischoff actually says that it's Elizabeth. I don't know the fuck you got that wrong. <laughs> I, Arn... didn't, I didn't catch that. <laughs> Orn with a DDT. On uh, Bagwell, Fleur goes for the figure four with Woman holding the hands of Fleur to pull back and Patrick counts the three count, which Bagwell does kick out of after the three counts finished. Uh, and that's going to get you win for the Horseman. Obviously, Zabisco and maybe... Uh, sorry, Zabisco. Uh, the commentary team, Bischoff in particular, is saying that, oh, how convenient that Nick Patrick has missed Woman interfering with uh, Rick Fleur's hands and all that sort of stuff. And I'm pretty sure he even says something. Well, to be, well, to be, kind of defends him, doesn't he? He says, "Well, to be fair, blah blah blah, something like that." I can't remember what it were. Um, I haven't got a time for that one. Uh, it went about eleven minutes. Right. You know, okay. it, were, it were quite a long match, but it was just just standard tag match. To be honest with you, standard horseman tag match. Yeah. You yeah. know, there weren't yeah. anything special. You know what to expect. Um, mm. A part of me was surprised when the horseman resorted to the dirty tactics, mm. thinking like, "What the hell? You're taking this out on your." Uh, your WCW peers, basically people that you haven't, you barely breathe the same air with, and you're 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 using dirty tactics against them. It's like you know how how strong of Team WCW to not respect each other enough. But then I just thought about it, and I'm like, well, 
maybe just trying to put over how fractured WCW is, how fractured Team WCW is, uh, as a result of the NW World, that they are just taking it out on each other. You know, they don't give it... They're just in that mental state where they just feel so defeated... They're just letting out all their anger on each other. So, yeah, of course the horsemen are going to fucking cheat in a match. They're going to do it anyway, but of course they're going to do it more uh, for more more reasons than the commentary are giving us. Yeah. They're, they're glossing over it. I'm just putting two and two together myself here. Yeah. You know? I, I, I just wish that they, they explained that a little bit more. Just point the fans in the direction a little bit, just saying, like, that uh, there's a wedge... Uh, in between the WCW roster, no one's getting along because of the, because with their because of the loss to the NWO and the NWO of not so confidence. This, that, whatever you want to say, just say something, just to mm. connect the dots a little bit. That's what they're there for. They're supposed yeah. to be doing that. The, the the sort of the, the the background noise and the subtitle to what's actually happening. That's what. There's three of them as well. That's the other thing that gets me is that they're not they're not filling those gaps, even though there's three of them. They're all just missing. Uh, no, I get that. I get that completely. Yeah, just a little frustration. But I mean, if if I'm a kid, I'm not gonna get that. I just that that's just twenty years of uh, wrestling fandom talking. Yeah, it's yeah. It, you know, if you're a kid or you're a new fan, you're probably not going to get that. You're probably not gonna pick up on anything of the sorts. Yeah, you know, you need you need. The, the, I like what JR says. Like uh, the wrestlers write the music and the commentators provide the lyrics. Yeah. Like here, the fucking uh, the wrestlers are playing the music and the commentary team are just going off the written page, like doing freestyle <laughs> fucking jazz at this point. <laughs> yeah. This is just an instrumental, really. Yeah. Um, on to the main event now. Uh, we're going to wrap this one up with the four horsemen again. It's Chris Benoit and Steve Mongo McMichael with Deborah. Who are supposed to or scheduled to face off with Lex Luger and Sting? However, it's noted that Sting has since left the building after his uh, walkout. Horseman coming out to Orn's theme as well, an artist rather than the Horseman theme, which is weird, seeing as Orn came out last, but then they came out to Ric Flair's theme, didn't they? So there you go. Um, Benoit in hard straight away, but Lex with a, a back body drop, a knee rocks Benoit to the corner, but Benoit is back intensely and tags in at McMichael. Uh, backdrop from Lex on Mongo, but Mongo just bumps nothing really on the way back. Uh, I think it was meant to be a clothesline, but Lex didn't even put his arm out really. He just Mongo just just bumped. Uh, ben, Benoit back in, kicks in the corner, stomp Lex down before Benoit goes and turns and taunts to the crowd. That allows Lex a breath, who then stomps Benoit into the canvas in the corner with, and then gets a forearm. Uh, off the ropes, but, Man- but Mongo whacks him and Benoit gets off a snap suplex before tagging out to Mongo. Elbow and an eye rake from Mongo. Then mounted right hands and Lex is in big trouble. A big body slam from Mongo. Headbutt to the groin, which I think he pulled. Um, Benoit tagged in again. Some meathead starts stepping over some tiered chairs to try and get to somebody on the floor seats, but doesn't get to them because I think the crowd stopped it from boiling over in the end. But that took the attention right off the match and just right onto this fucking fight, which actually Bischoff pointed out in the commentary as well. Uh, Lex ends up racking Benoit after dispatching Mongo off the April, April apron, but <laughs> but Fleur and Orn are about to come in to make sure that that doesn't uh, end there. Lex clotheslines them both, but the referee throws it out all the same, even though Lex didn't actually get touched. Uh, the winner by disqualification is Lex Luger in dead on six minutes. 
uh, and let the beatdown ensue from the horseman on Lex, who is just out there on his own. We we go back outside. I may as well carry on now. Bit yeah. back outside to the limos. Uh, Hull's recruiting a cameraman, saying you can come and work for us. And Hogan says that uh, that loads of the company are going to be going to Japan next week, which Eric has actually talked about through the episode. Yes, and also uh, Heenan fucking cussed him out for in that match as well. Like, did you not catch that? I didn't. I missed that. Yeah, he reiterated it. He's, he said it twice before. Uh, mm. Before Hogan mentioned it, and Heenan just at the top of his voice was saying, "Can you not keep telling uh, uh, telling us that? Because now the NWO know that we're going to be at a disadvantage yeah. next week, and it's all your fault." Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's a it's a good little bit. It's I didn't, I didn't bit say I, uh, I didn't I didn't quote that verbatim, but that was just like the gist of it, really. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and yeah, at the end of this, we basically sign off with uh, Hogan saying that they're planning to not only assault Macho Man, who isn't going to Japan, but also take over Monday Nitro. Yeah, and, and that... they introduce X-Pac, Sean Altman, as six. Six, yeah. They yeah. Do. yeah, which um, I find funny because Eric Bischoff has said, oh yeah, he's the sixth man, so he's six. Uh, but they've got seven members now, <laughs> not <Yeah>. six. <laughs> not, I guess in the not including the bogus thing, uh, he's just an associate, I suppose. He's not actually a member. But the one. Well, it'd be DBS, wouldn't it? Because he can't wrestle. Yeah, well, they they, all, they they did say he was the fourth member. Yeah. You know, I I just find that a little bit weird to me. But if you want to call uh, six a sixth member, then whatever. That's a that is a a good reason to call him six. Hmm. But I don't think they told the full story there. Well, no, I think what, it's been well detailed what the six means, didn't it? Well, obviously, I, well, I don't know if it's been well detailed. I just. Put, uh, put two and two together. Actually, I put one, two, and three together and made six. Yeah. He was a one, yeah. two, three kid. One plus two plus three is six. That's where I, my mind went. I don't know if that's been detailed or not. That's just me figuring that out for myself again. This is what I always do, it seems. Uh, yeah, um, it, it is pretty clever, to be honest, isn't it? It is. And it is, ha- and it's a subtle dig, in it? Yeah, and how they spell six as well. It's S-Y-double-X. It's pretty cool. And obviously, when he's in TNA, he calls himself Six Pack, which I think is pretty cool as well. Yeah, it's... amalgamation of the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure I've heard it a couple of times from from various different places, maybe even other podcasts. Um, that it's one, two, and three put together, which makes six. And it just so just so happens that he was quote unquote the sixth man, if he is. Um, and that 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 wraps it up, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, you can give us a shout on that final match if you want, and then. You shout on the entire episode. Yeah, the 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 match wasn't really up to anything. It was basically just uh, it was just a horseman wailing on Lex Luger for for a few minutes. He makes his big comeback, and then the rest of the horsemen come out and wail on wail on him even further. You know, <laughs> it, uh, my takeaway from that match and pretty much the whole show is that nobody is siding with Sting at all. Yeah, they're apologising for not believing him, but they're not siding with him. They are disgust. They are still disgusted that he is turning his back on WCW, and it's like you're just further justifying him doing that. You are not. You're not sympathising with him. You are just saying, "I'm sorry." You know, we're sorry that we didn't trust you, and that's it. And it's not enough. It's mm. just not enough. You basically destroyed this man's life by doing this. You know, by not trusting him, you you figuratively destroyed his his life, his trust for the. But the company is maybe his trust for the business, you know. Just saying sorry is not enough. Uh, no. But I do like that 
little wrinkle. Um, also, the one thing I do like is how they went off her because they just showed Luger prone on the mat and Bischoff, as it was quite macabre how he said it, but he just said, like, I'm sorry, Lex, I doubted Sting too. Like, that mm. is how we go off her, and it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. It's like, that is just the perfect way to underscore the episode and underscore the events of the last two weeks. Mm. You know, I, I just really, really liked it. Um, yeah. This show is what it was. It, I mean, we had a few good matches, um, but it was it was all about um, furthering the NWO angle into its next phase and putting over the fractured nature of the WCW locker room. Yeah. You know, and again, it, it's WCW's strong point, storytelling, and it's peppered throughout this episode. Yeah. They did a real good job of it. Makes me look so, for- it. It makes me look forward to next week. Not the best episode, but far from the worst. That was what I was going to ask you. Is it still it's still riding that momentum wave out of full yes. brawl and, and it making you anticipate the next episode? Yes, and that's what you want. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, totally. I am, I'm all in on the NWO storyline. I am all in on the Sting storyline. I am all in on the wrestlers at odds with each other because mm. they, they lost this uh, the first real battle in this war with the NWO. Like, well, it's not even the first battle. I suppose it's like the... Because they've lost a couple of battles already, but yeah. they they laid down the challenge for like just this one major battle that wasn't around the title; it was around the company itself. And yeah, I mean, just uh, they 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 they've just lost a battle, uh, but the no one's winning a war yet. The war yeah. is only just beginning. And yeah. yeah, again, I'm all in on the NWO angle. I really am. Sweet. Yeah, too right. sweet. <laughs> the rating was 3.7 to Raw's 2.1, and the uh, Raw results from September 16th, 1996 were recorded uh, August 19th, 1996 in Wheeling, West Virginia. The Sultan, with Bob Backlund and the Iron Sheik, defeated Jake Roberts via submission with the camel clutch. It had to be a camel clutch, didn't it? Fucking hell. Let's not be fucking racially stereotypical about this. You know what I mean? Three minutes and four seconds. Uh... Roberts was distracted for the duration of the bout by Jerry Lawler, who was doing commentary at ringside. This was also the Sultan's debut. Uh, Bob Holly and Alex Porto defeated WWF Tag Team Champions The Smoking Guns with Sonny in a non-title match when Holly defeated Billy Gunn with a roll-up after the champions became distracted by Owen Hart, David Boy Smith and Jim Cornette at ringside. WWF Intercontinental Title Tournament semi-finals saw Mark Murrow with Sable defeat Owen Hart by pulling the cast off Owen's arm and hitting him with it in 9 minutes and 26 seconds. Uh, prior to the bout, Jim Ross, who had left ringside earlier in the broadcast, returned with Pat Patterson, who verified Ross's claims to have Diesel and Razor Ramon on the show next week and said he would be the guest referee for the tournament finals the following week. And as we detailed before, Glenn Jacobs ended up being part of this fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon. I'm presuming he was fake Diesel. Right, so knowing of the events of WCW over the last week, is is that counterproducing? Is it mocking WCW for doing the, the imposter angle by doing their own imposters of two people that left their company months ago and has become a part of the hottest angle in the whole of wrestling at this time? I could be. Yeah, I, I, that's how I'm looking at it, because I've only just seen it as a standalone moment. I mm. thought it was just a case of, oh yeah, they're just... Uh, they're not really... They're just trying to acknowledge... We are acknowledging that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are no longer with the company. It's just maybe they're saying, like, oh, well, uh, anybody can play these characters. 
yeah. you know, they're yeah. not special. I never really yeah. thought of it as like just counter writing. Yeah. You know, yeah. In, in a way, mocking what WCW have done, even though what WCW are doing is it, it it's fucking genius. <laughs> it's fucking genius. It's I mean, it I, I said it, like uh, Jeff Farmer up until you actually see him in the eyes from a distance, he does look like Sting. He's got the same shape of body and all that. You know, he pulls the character off. So, to obviously to to continue what you were saying there, um, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to probably look at this segment, like watch it properly, because the detail that it says afterwards is that WWF President Gorilla Monsoon argued during the match that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash would not be appearing and that Ross was misleading the audience. Right. Hmm. That's interesting. So I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a dig at the I think that kind of points me in the direction that you're you're kind of right with what you're saying. Um but that they're also taking a, a dig at the um at probably at the at the lawsuit or the court case or whatever in ah. itself. Interesting. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'd have to watch it to, to get a proper grasp because obviously the, this is just worded highlights in it. Once you see it, it could it can add a lot more context. Um, it also says this was Owen's last appearance on TV with the cast on his arm. Uh, in the other WWF Intercontinental Title Tournament semi-final, Farouk Assad with Sonny defeated Psycho Sid via disqualification when Sid hit Farouk over the back with a steel chair three times. And in other segments... Um, this feature, Jim Ross announcing that Diesel and Razor Ramon would be on Raw the following week, included a public workout with Jim Cornette and preliminary wrestlers Tony Williams, sorry, wrestler Tony Williams, in which Williams briefly dominated Cornette before Vader came to the ring and brutalised him. Uh, it featured footage of Bret Hart during the WWF's tour of South Africa, in which he called Brian Pillman a liar for saying Bret would be at In Your House. And... Uh, it does say that Brian Pillman signed a three-year contract. Uh, I think that might have been the previous week as well with the WWF. Other things that happened, just quickly running down, Dave Meltzer complained about the two big companies trying to swerve smart fans and newsletters. Just well, of course like... of course, you fucking would. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly my reaction. I kind of went, Dave, don't get pissed off because you don't fucking know anything about the business anymore. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, obviously, I told you about the woman who... who called up Turner to say that his five-year-old a uh, five-year-old had sprayed the one-year-old with a NWO on his back yeah Lex Lex Luger's Cadillac on Saturday night uh, I said it was a Lincoln on the previous podcast uh, was a rental uh, and there was a, apparently an agreement with the rental company on how much damage was to be done to the car uh, the Giant went overboard and the company billed WCW <laughs> for the entire car who subsequently blamed the Giant who ended up having to buy the car outright oh for fuck's sake <laughs> Damn it, Paul. Damn it. <laughs> Meltzer also claims that WCW will vacate the WCW World Heavyweight title. I don't know why I call it the WCW World Heavyweight title. It's the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, will vacate the World Heavyweight Championship every year, I think in November, and will have whoever wins World War III's Battle Royal crown a new champion every year, which in turn allows Hogan to lose without ever actually losing. Uh, do they actually do that? Uh, I don't believe they do. <laughs> I no, mean, no, they'll just go on vacation every fucking month instead. Yeah, that well, they do that. In, yeah, they do that later down the line. Spoiler yeah. alert. Um, but yeah, the uh, the idea that it's done every year, 
I, I don't know if it happens this year, to be honest. It'd be. I mean, that's that's presuming that obviously they go out of Halloween Havoc, uh, Hogan's still a champion, and then he'd just have to relinquish it four weeks later. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Anyway, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. On the other side of the uh, on the other side of the wrestling spectrum, Jake Roberts was added to the WWF Creative. He'd been pushing that for that for a while. I didn't even know Jake Roberts were on Creative. To yeah, be honest. I don't think it's a, a major spell. I think it's just like a very short stint. Yeah, because obviously this time he's he's got his demons and you know he needs help and all. I, I think it's just a matter of weeks. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, uh, not many uh, better brains for Creative than than Jake Roberts. That's it, isn't it? They you usually know, say that the, the, the most creative minds are the most troubled minds. Yeah, that's true. Uh, JJ Dillon resigned from the WWF. There's <laughs> a strong possibility that he'll end up in WCW. That does fucking happen. Uh, Kurt Angle was reported to have had a contract offer, but Meltzer says that that didn't happen. Uh, I can say that Angle confirmed this on his podcast earlier this year, and it did. Uh, he turned it down. Yeah, he, he also Chris, said this on... Uh, I was saying that I was watching Tough Enough quite recently, and it he actually did talk about that. Hmm. He basically was just saying, like, uh, you know, it, it, he had the arrogance to believe he was better than WWE and he had all these things coming coming for him, all these great things. And the only thing that ever came for him, from what I can remember, was like a, a short stint on a radio, like a radio yeah. show. That's all he had. He didn't he didn't have the fame that he thought the gold medal was going to bring him. You'd, yeah. The thing is, is that you just want a gold medal. I know it sounds like that small time, but... How many other people want a gold medal at the Olympics? You know, That's it's, it, yeah. it's not guaranteeing your fucking star-studded buddy um, life. You know, it's not no. it, It's not going to do anything, really. Yeah. It doesn't make you a celebrity, and it damn sure doesn't fucking pay money. No. So, yeah, he, I think he quickly realised that he needed to get a fucking job, and the WWE were offering quite a bit of money, weren't they, as well? So, yeah, made, uh, made sense to make that step. Um Chris Candido is headed back to the WWF in December. That didn't happen, Dave. WWF Superstars heard its 10th anniversary show this week, which included highlights containing Hogan and Savage, Ugh, but they only no. showed Hogan getting beat up by Andre and Gorilla Monsoon saying Savage was past his peak, which was actually 10 years ago. Uh, and also on the third edge of the coin, uh, a little boy or a little man named Spike Dudley debuted this week. And that is going to round up everything that we have got to say to you guys <laughs> unless there's anything else you want to add to that Brian no I think you've covered everything excellent, so, excellent. so yes this is up you're listening to it we hope you've enjoyed it and if you haven't enjoyed it tweet us if you have enjoyed it tweet us at NatureGenCast it's just the same old stuff that you've heard in the past what, what episode is this now 37 I don't know I can't remember something like uh, that <laughs> <laughs> this has been a good one uh, I, I quite enjoyed this it's, again like you said it's kept the momentum a full brawl brewing nicely, the NWO sting, uh, the cruiserweights, you know, everything's going quite nicely. The only thing they need is a TV screen in the fucking arenas. That's all we ask for, yeah. just so that the fans know what the fuck's happening. Although, having said that, the fans knew what happened in the fucking DDP versus Ice Train match, and we didn't have a fucking clue until the replay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> what, what more can we say about WCW's production? They are winging it, aren't they? Yes. Let's be honest. Yes. This whole thing is being wong. <laughs> wong. Wong. <laughs> and on that note, nitrogencast.com, that's where you can catch us, at nitrogencast on all the social media platforms. Uh, and I think we're going to skedaddle. We're going to get out of here. For me, Marvellous Mark Ashworth, and for Brian Talks Crap over there, at Brian Talks Crap, by the way, um, we'll see you whenever we see you. 
For the first time ever, Welsh rockers Beth Blade and the Beautiful Disasters released their acclaimed 2019 album Show Me Your Teeth on classic vinyl. called it a snarling example of down and dirty hard rock, while classic rock magazine reviews told us that it boasts a similar heft and bounce to the Amorettes, as Beth Blade allies effortless, hailstorming vocals with her beautiful disaster slick by numbers take on classic rock, coming laden with bite and brawn, that if it had its own way, would probably jump out the speakers and literally eat you. Powerplay described it as a knuckle duster wrapped in candy floss that pushes you in the chest and demands that you listen, while Fireworks wrote that, with the contrast of light and dark this album is a definite success, describing songs as filthy, sleazy and gloriously riffy, oozing electric tension that leaves your spine tingling with atmospheric emotion. You can pre-order Show Me Your Teeth on vinyl at BethBladeAndTheBeautifulDisasters.com and via the links at social media sites on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at at BBATBDOfficial. Pre-order today for the November 19th release. Yeah.